You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoie, and I'm joined by Brooks Childress and Cam Berry today with TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Today on the show, a lot of previewing the weekend for Auburn Athletics as Auburn basketball gets set to host college game day tomorrow against the Kentucky Wildcats, so we'll preview and break down that one in great detail. We'll also preview a little Auburn baseball. We had a bit of a season preview yesterday, but want to go ahead and do a little bit more previewing of the team as they get set to start their 2024 season under head coach Butch Thompson. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, We'll also get into a few other sports things that might be a little bit more uh, off the radar. Uh, Maybe give you a a golf update if uh, Tiger can get this thing going today or uh, also preview a little bit of the NASCAR season as it starts uh, this weekend in Daytona. We, of course, were very pleased to have several NASCAR drivers and personalities on the show last year. We hope to do the same this summer as well. So we'll uh, give you a little preview of that season. Uh, and also, if we have time today, been kind of saving this one for a little while. This might be the 5 at 5 today, uh, but want to talk a little bit about the culmination or I know there's not an exact end point, but kind of the culmination of the transfer portal cycle uh, given that there's not been really any new transfer, transfer portal rumblings the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the portal's been closed, but uh, the big guys have made their decision, that sort of thing. So we want to go back and highlight uh, maybe the top five most impactful transfers that Auburn got in the portal cycle. So we'll try to get to that today around the 5 o'clock hour as well. If you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one Triple eight nine Tiger Nine to join us today. Of course, we'll also have birthdays and sports and a what to watch for over the weekend. Again, in a busy weekend uh, for college athletics and for the sports world with NBA All Star Weekend. With again the start of the NASCAR season. I know pitchers and catchers reported for Major League Baseball, so spring training's a week away. Just a lot of great stuff going on for sure. And of course, another big weekend in college basketball. Ryan Brooks and Cam with you here. On this Friday edition of the program, Brooks Childress, I hope you are well on this Friday. Good to see you again, sir. Oh, you don't know how well I am. Whoa. Uh, it is 
baseball <laughs> opening day. It is awesome. Uh, the Tigers take the field tonight. Uh, our good friend uh, in front of the program, uh, uh, Auburn Plainsman Park, um, his name just Kevin Ives. Kevin Ives. I, I had it as I started my sentence, and it went away from me. Uh, Kevin Ives is back posting every game that is able a, available to stream all day long, and he's even added this year audio only. So you, he will give you like the the he's got where you can go listen to games. Wow, uh, on there and not just uh, watch them. So it's it's a great time. The the Braves. I think all the Braves have reported ahead of next Wednesday's deadline. Like everybody for the Braves are are in camp already. Always ready. Uh, they're <clears throat> they're ready to get it going. And they and again they don't have to report till next Wednesday. Is there is the report day for everybody else? So they're getting down there and getting uh, getting things uh, fired up. Um, Beauregard baseball. We have them on the air tomorrow. They got a win last night over St. James. Beauregard softball got a win last night. A big win over Opelika. And so they're doing good things for our airwaves and our, our company uh our, our company product and it's a great time the batted ball sports are back auburn softball got two more wins yesterday we talked about that on the program setting up for another game on sen- uh saturday against clemson i'm excited i'm happy it's a it's a great day it's a great weekend that uh that we have the batted ball sports back and i'm just excited i can tell man i'm excited for look i'm obviously excited in general baseball will be coming back soon for major league Auburn baseball, still hoping for a lot out of this team. Again, Brooks Childress loves baseball so much. Haven't seen Brooks this animated since talking about <laughs> Pac-12 after dark. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you know Brooks Childress, you know that growing up he went to a ton of minor league baseball games around the 251 area. Uh, and so this is this is Brooks Childress. So I'm happy to see you happy, my Also, friend. we'll talk about it later when we get more into our baseball preview. Uh it already made me excited, even though we have to go through. I'm, I'm ready to go through a full season. But D1 Baseball today put out their projections for the NCAA tournament already for the preseason projections. And so that was already fun to look at and get excited for. Yeah, you know, as as can be the case in other sports, you know, the way too early stuff. Maybe just, again, a bit early. Let's see them all on the diamond. But, uh, yeah, there you go. We, uh, we have arrived to baseball season. <laughs> Cam Barry on the show here on this Friday. And Cam, I know you got a busy weekend with – Everything going on, you'll be there for college game day a little yes. bit or uh, at least be covering the game uh, for the TV job that you have, too, with the score. And so you got a busy weekend, man, but good to see you on this Friday. Yeah, glad to be here. Really excited to, to be able to uh, kind of be around uh, college game day again. Uh, last year was really, really cool. Uh, you know, it was for the Alabama game. This year it's for Kentucky. So really, really excited to be able to kind of experience that and be around all of that uh, another uh, another time and and of course be there for the for the game itself and uh see hopefully auburn get a get a win and be able to uh you know break that game down today and talk talk about all that uh with you guys and uh yeah baseball season getting started really excited uh seems like there's you know a lot a lot of, of buzz around the the program opened up the new uh what what's the new the new area called Hall of Fame the, Club the Hall of Fame Club and then I thought they had something about the deck right are they are they done with that or is it still no, in progress so the only thing that is open this year for their new their new um the the new areas is going to be the Hall of Fame Club okay. next year they're going to open up the suites that are going that are currently being constructed on the first baseline right which will also be a new press box they're going to open up a home plate club. Uh, is what it's going to be called where the current press box is ah. and then in time for next year they're going to open up the 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 uh the standing room only area above the green monster okay yeah that'll be cool man i'm uh, all of that very very exciting 
uh, as as um, Plainsman Park tries to kind of renovate itself and kind of catch up with the times a little bit uh, with other schools around the SEC and, and kind of showcase itself. Um, and yeah, so really excited to, to talk about all this stuff with you guys and NBA All-Star Weekend this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very excited to kind of uh, watch, watch as much as I can. I'll be, uh, I, I really don't love the game you know because it, it just hasn't been the same for a long time but do love the 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 saturday night stuff the skills challenge the three-point contest the dunk contest has kind of gotten a little stale itself as well but that's just because it's tough to really remain creative at this point in time in uh in we've seen pretty much everything that everybody can do uh but but the saturday night stuff is always fun and then tonight the rising stars and the the celebrity game and things like that always always fun to see i kind of want to see cj stroud hoop and see how good he is so uh pretty excited about that but yeah i'm doing great it's a great friday and uh ready to ready to talk about all this stuff with you guys are y'all excited that they're going back to east and west this year or did y'all like the kind of fantasy draft deal i'm impartial because they don't try either way but, <laughs> uh but I, it's it was cool to kind of see the mix uh i i i'm i'm curious to see it you know see it back go to east and west it, it, it's fine um but again the my issue is the the format itself because they don't want to get hurt say they don't they don't play as hard so there's no defense it's a lot of offense which is which is fine but yeah it's not a game i don't know if are they still doing the the 24 and 8 thing that they were doing with with the kobe stuff like at the end of the game where it's like you reach a certain point and then it's like 24 whatever points i don't i don't know yeah i don't know either they've had to change it pretty much on a uh, yearly basis basis. for the last four or five years now the first time they had changed it they had gotten it to where um with that ending uh they got it it was a close game and they did try pretty hard for a few minutes at the end and that got pretty epic yes so basically what you got to root for is if you're doing i forgot what the ending is called um yeah I, it's uh it they do it on the three uh on the basketball tournament when in the summer the elam yeah. ending is that what it is Maybe. elam ending yeah um uh the elam ending and you know, when you play to a score if you have it close then i can still foresee them trying a little bit but yeah they're not going to try for most of the game and it's just going to be a not e- not even a glorified scrimmage. It's just going to be yeah, yeah. an all star half a scrimmage, right? Um, but a lot of highlights. <laughs> but yeah, of- I guess I I like that it's um, I like it that it's east west. I guess um, the picking teams was kind of cool, but LeBron would always win. <laughs> LeBron would always win. Um, but but yeah, I, I think it just that's how all the other leagues do it. So I mean, it makes sense to yeah, be east west, but east west. Anyway, uh, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, All-Star Saturday or All-Star Weekend in just a little bit. Uh, but we do want to open, as we typically do on a Friday, with a big college basketball game on the plains, and that is Auburn. And number 22, Kentucky, as the Tigers host college game day once again, a, a series that uh, has been pretty intense. And certainly in Neville Arena, as of late, Auburn has had a lot of success. Again, it is college game day. And, again, Kentucky will bring in a highly powered team, although they have been um, been struggling as of late. And they did get a win in the midweek against Ole Miss, which is certainly needed for them after losing three straight at home. They also had the, um, they also had the 
game last weekend against Gonzaga where odd to have a non-conference game in the month of February like that uh, where they lost to Gonzaga. So not having the, the best year that they want to have necessarily in the SEC, although some still like their odds maybe in the SEC tournament, but then also dropping um, – dropping that Gonzaga game to probably the worst Gonzaga team in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. They, they might still not, make not the tournament, great. but they're on the bubble and they might need to win the WCC tournament this year, which has just not been the case. Uh, but you go back through this Auburn and Kentucky history uh, and, and Auburn's won these games as of late in Neville Arena. Then, of course, Auburn Arena. The last time Kentucky came into Auburn and one was, I believe, January of 2019. That was the Tyler Hero versus Bryce Brown shoot-off pretty much in the second half, if you recall that one. But the last three, the Tigers have won in Auburn. So with that in mind, with what we just saw in the midweek for the Tigers, putting 100 on South Carolina, who had not allowed more than 80 this year, and given Kentucky struggles, I think that would lend itself for Auburn being pretty heavy favorites. But obviously – when you bring in Kentucky, you bring in the ability they have on the offense then, this could still be a whale of a game. Absolutely, it could still be a whale of a game. Honestly, the way that I see Kentucky is very similar to Alabama. High-scoring offense, but I, I feel as though they're a younger version of Alabama, if that makes sense. They can score a lot of points, they can, they can really pour it in, but they struggle on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, they're made up of a lot more freshmen, uh, so that's why I say they're a younger version of this of the Alabama team that, that is constructed this year. So basically, you really have to play them kind of similar to Alabama. They're a little bit less of a one-man show. They have a lot of talent. They have DJ Wagner. They have Rob Dillingham. So uh, they, they have guys uh, that, that will be playing probably in the NBA next year. Uh, I think Reeves, I think he's still uh, there as well. So they, they have plenty of, of guys that – are a threat they're a little bit more they're a little bit more evenly distributed in terms of their scoring but a lot more points um they can put on you so uh plenty of talent obviously a lot of five-star talent it being kentucky but uh young not great on the defensive side of the ball so you can play to uh you really can play to your strength if you're auburn and your defense really lean on that uh you know and and kind of play your game and you should be perfectly fine in this situation uh just because the home environment that neville arena provides uh will just catapult this team honestly it's like night and day it really is uh how how different this team is away and 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 that's obviously a lot to do Uh, that's obviously a lot in college basketball that's kind of been the same thing but it's almost like this auburn team again just a a switch just seems to flip when they're at home uh you know i again i didn't even mention the south carolina game beating beating a team that hasn't allowed 80 points by 40 go putting up 101 on them a very experienced south carolina team by the way uh and you just completely took them out of their game um and and really held them completely in check uh if you're auburn and, and they just had they had uh, south carolina had no no answers for anything that that auburn did uh janai broom and, and jalen williams another phenomenal game uh you just got to build off of that and they just play so much better at home obviously um and just kind of a lot more together and connected i liked the way that i only got to watch the first half and then the second half i kind of like watched the highlights because i had to go to bed for work but um you know trey donaldson controlled the game very well um 
again, another another testament to him just being a really good and true point guard that can really lead things and, uh, you know, really spark plug uh, the, the game at the beginning with with a couple steals and was really able to kind of get get everything going for Auburn, get everybody settled. So uh, this Kentucky team, you, you just got to build off of what you did against South Carolina. They're, they're not as good defensively. Um, they just kind of move a little bit quicker. So if you're Auburn, you just got to lean on your defense, trust your defense, stay in front of the ball, and uh, you should be fine. Yeah, you know, you, you look at this game. I, obviously, it's a big name coming in. You you always circle the Kentucky game. Um this year, you know, you, you would have looked at, you know, maybe over the, the last week and in, well, in past years, you would have seen that South Carolina game, even though it was at home and said, oh, this is a, a game that Auburn, you know, Auburn needs to watch out for because they could get caught looking ahead to Kentucky. Well, this year it, it wasn't it, that was definitely not the case because South Carolina came in as a as a top 15 team, um, whether, you know, they it was, you know, you, you look at the metrics or the net and something and you, you agree with that. They AP polls so they were top top 10 team or top 15 team ESPN had it on their on their scorebook that it was a top 15 uh, battle between Auburn and, and uh, South Carolina. Now you're getting Kentucky uh, in into your arena Saturday. Uh, and a Kentucky team, like you mentioned, Ryan, that has struggled. You, you've got, you know, the, the most recent loss was that Gonzaga game uh, that you, you know, you pointed out that they may have to end up winning their conference tournament to get into the into the NCAA tournament. Kentucky's a team that is looking for a big win. Kentucky is a team that is looking for this type of win on the road against a top 15 Auburn team. Uh, they're they are on the verge of falling out of the top 25. If they lose Saturday, they are out of the top 25 uh, most likely. Um, they are sitting at number 22. Uh, and so this this is a this is a game that Kentucky is going to come in very prepared for. Antonio Reeves is a, is a very good basketball player. Um, this is a game that it features. And speaking of Antonio uh, Reeves, this is a game that features two of the three SEC names mentioned when you talk about the Wooden War at the end of the year. Janai Broom. And uh, Antonio Reeves, both those guys were the two out of the three guys mentioned from the or in the SEC on the midseason watch list for for the for the Wooden Award. Um, Auburn is has got to go in and has to continue to play the basketball they've been playing at home. You cannot take, and I don't think it'll happen, but you cannot look at fr- Saturday or fr- Wednesday, uh, the South Carolina game, and say, oh, well, we just beat South Carolina. They're a better team than Kentucky. This is going to be an easy, easy task. Because Kentucky is still a team like a Kansas, like a North Carolina, like a Duke that is, has five stars everywhere. And so they are going to give you a, a really good basketball game. Auburn's got a chance uh, as well on Saturday to make an impression in front of a national TV audience. A lot of the you know, a lot of Auburn's games are on the SEC network. You do get some games on the on ESPN two, ESPN U. You don't get a lot of games on big ESPN during the year. Uh, this is your chance to go out there in front of a national TV audience and make a statement that is going to ring, and people are going to remember if Auburn wins this game and and you know wins it uh, dominantly. People are going to win it or going to remember it all the way to March. And so this is this is a big this is a big statement game. This is also a big game for Auburn because you're going to have a, a week off after the fact. You're you're not going to play a midweek game next week. You got a week off going uh, on the road to Georgia next Saturday. So this is this is important to come out have a good performance. Uh, and uh, not let the you know not not let the name Kentucky and it, it it hasn't in the past, but not let the name Kentucky get into your head if they get ahead early. So with this Kentucky team, look, I I'm not sure 
that South Carolina is better than Kentucky or not. I know South Carolina did beat Kentucky. I think you could debate either side. But the yeah. point is, Kentucky is a very different style of team than what South Carolina is and what Auburn just saw. And South Carolina wanted to win a game 70-65, to 65, and, and they want to win that type of game no matter where they play home or away. Kentucky would like to win 90-85. to 85. And when you look at the Wildcats this year, they are one of the top teams in the country in scoring. They are third in the nation, 88.9 points per game, so almost 90 points a game. However, they are 328th in the country in allowing 78.1 points a game. So uh, this is a top five team in scoring, bottom 30 team in allowing scoring. Uh, you will likely get into some sort of back-and-forth high-scoring affair. Um, if Kentucky, which they've had two or three clunkers, one of them was South Carolina, if Kentucky was held to 60 or 70 points, they're not winning on Saturday, period, end of story. So uh, if Auburn can do that, uh, then that would be obviously a, 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 a backbreaker for Kentucky. Now, the Wildcats are really, really good from three, and I think the reason why maybe one or two times they've just had really tough nights offensively is they have not shot the ball well and they've not responded to it well because uh, their three-point acumen is up there with anybody. Kentucky is second in the entire country in three-point shooting. They shoot 40.7% from three. Uh, so we're complimenting some Auburn guys for being in the upper 30s percentage. On average, Kentucky's entire team shoots better than that from three. And they also take a fair amount. They take the 84th most. They make the 18th most. So honestly, you could tell Kentucky to take a few more, uh, and it would probably still behoove them to do that. But so this team has shooters all over the place. So who are they? Well, Antonio Reeves is someone you guys already mentioned. He's shooting about six threes a game on the season, shooting 44% from three, averaging nearly 20 a game. He's going to have an excellent chance to be first-team All-SEC. Rob Dillingham, one of their younger players, he's at 44.7% from three on four-and-a-half attempts a game. So he's all over the place. And then a guy I really like that I think for them, they should probably want to shoot and play him more, Reed Shepard. Reed Shepard on 4.3 attempts a game is shooting 51.9% from three. Uh, that is quite good. That uh, That's hard to beat. Uh, so, again, he's at 12.5 points a game because he plays – uh, a little less than a couple of those guys like Reeves and Mitchell, but um, also because he does not take a lot of twos, obviously. It is mainly those threes. But they've got three dudes right there, Reeves, Dillingham, and Shepard, that are absolutely going to shoot threes, and they are usually going to make threes. So those are three guys on the perimeter that Auburn needs to watch out for. The good news is there is the opportunity because of Kentucky's uh, lack of, of quality down low. There is an opportunity to beat them there. Uh, and they do have a couple of true big guys, but they honestly, they get in foul trouble. They're inexperienced. The one that comes to mind for me is Aaron Bradshaw. He's basically a seven-footer, uh, but he usually gets in the foul trouble. He's a six-and-five type of guy, so really, again, not a huge scoring threat. And somebody that, again, should be a conducive matchup for Janai Broom to have an opportunity down there. So Kentucky does not employ – a lot of size really of their top seven or so scores they've only got one guy that's bigger uh than six six so uh, again they don't rely on that they rely on their guards reeves and dillingham and shepherd even dj wagner uh so trey mitchell's probably their best guy that's uh that is a big guy uh, but he's still six nine so 
there's not a ton of size for them. There is some length in terms of wingspan and that sort of thing. These are kind of lankier guys. But, again, they they are not built necessarily to thrive down low, and that's why when the guards are not playing well, when they're not shooting as well, they could have a clunker here and there. But, overall, it's an incredibly good offense. It's an incredibly good shooting team. And when you have a great shooting team, that scares you because sometimes you play the best defense in the world and they're going to hit 12 or 13 threes no matter what you do. Uh, and then it gets tough on you. But from Auburn's point of view, let me say this, and I know we do need to take a break here in a second. Um, what would also be a little troubling to me, and this could just be – look, I want to preface this. I do think Auburn will win. But what is a little troubling to me is that this is probably a game Auburn will need to shoot at least okay in to keep up, and they'll need to generate constant offense. And they just shot as well as they humanly could. They just shot 60% from three. Right. It is very, very unlikely Auburn duplicates anything close to that the very next game because that's just kind of the law of averages in college basketball. Auburn shot absolutely awful in Gainesville. They immediately had their best shooting game of the year against South Carolina. Uh, and so some things even out like that. Now, again, you do get the home court. I think that will help Auburn's defense. It'll help the whole team, obviously. And that's why I still feel pretty good about the game overall. But, like, Kentucky, again, has a different – it's just a different kind of team. And if they get rolling and if they're going to hit a bunch of threes, they could play poor defense. They could give you a lot of open jump shots. They could give you uh, some rim runs and that sort of thing, Get uh, do a poor job in transition. And then if you if you're just having an off night, if you're going to shoot twenty percent from three, no matter who's guarding you or something like that, then it could get tough to keep up with them. So uh, that's also why for them, I feel like they didn't necessarily uh, have as much of a home court advantage this year, I guess, because their shooting can travel, but also their defense is so bad that it's not helped enough by the home crowd. I guess they still uh, making shots is making shots and and. They've been comfortable wherever they went, not necessarily more comfortable in, in Rupp. But uh, I'm, I'm certainly very interested to see uh, what the dynamic at the three-point line is for Kentucky. If Auburn can hold them and run them off a little bit, I'm sure that's going to be the strategy to make them shoot anything but threes. Uh, but, but for this Kentucky team, they are certainly very capable uh, of getting it going for three no matter how you're defending them. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. We'll talk more about this game as the show progresses, some individual matchups and that sort of thing. But for now, we need to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to today's birthdays in sports, also a trip to the orthopedic clinic phone line. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening to After the Fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. We certainly appreciate you, however you may be listening to the show today. With that, let's head to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401, or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Die Hard Die. Die Hard Die is with us. Die Hard Die, how are you this afternoon? War Eagle. War Eagle. So, it sounds like, and I don't blame you, um, but it sounds like you have Auburn conscience, man. Um, there's one thing I've learned this year, and, and many years actually, but this year specifically is uh, do not worry about Auburn at home. Uh, but I get it. You know, Auburn has taught us to uh, not get excited. Auburn has taught us not to uh, ever say easy win. Um, <laughs> but there should be nothing to be worried about. If we're playing up in Kentucky, they might beat us by 20. But there's a reason why the spread uh, – first of all, there's a reason why Kentucky has Auburn circled for the first time in, in many, many years, uh, maybe in decades. Uh, there's a reason why Vegas has us winning by 7.5. There's a reason why that spread went from 7.5 to 8.5. And spreads don't jump that quick like that without – Shark money, public money, um, they, they move, but, but not in a four-hour coming out. So, um, again, I understand it. I, I hear the worry. I hear the concern. I hear the safety net, at least, you know, kind of hedging, um, going all in. And I might call in next week and, and say I was dumb. But we have nothing to worry about. Uh, just drove by Tent City or Pearl City or whatever. And, man, I wish they had that one off in college here. Uh, minus the cell phones, but um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna win pretty good tomorrow. So looking forward to it, and uh, we'll call next week and discuss that. But we've been cleaning every uh, school that's come into Auburn's clock, and I don't see that changing tomorrow. War Eagle, War Eagle, appreciate that phone call. That is Die Hard Die joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I. Certainly, I'm not saying Kentucky's going to win. I do think Auburn's going to win. I do think Auburn will ultimately win uh, by somewhere around the line. I'm not going to be more ambitious than that, but maybe a 10 or so point game. Honestly, honestly, you could see this getting out of hand if Kentucky is misfiring from three and Auburn's got the defense working the other uh, the way they're capable of having it working. I'm just always going to be weary, and it's not necessarily Auburn related. Uh, it's all. I'm always going to be weary of teams that can make a lot of threes uh, because threes can be the great equalizer. And I'm also going to be weary of the fact that generally teams do not do that uh, two, three consecutive straight games that are not truly great three-point teams. And uh, Auburn has been a below-average three-point team for most of the year. They are now starting to creep towards the middle of the country percentage-wise and that sort of thing. So uh, while I do think that Auburn is the better team, I do think that – uh, Auburn is is going to win. I do think it would be a mistake to just write off Kentucky and say uh, that there's really no shot at it because this is one of the last teams to, I mean, have a successful uh, run of things in Neville Arena. I know that uh, Auburn lost to uh, a couple of surprising teams like Texas A&M uh, with Buzz Williams in years past and, and Kermit Davis one year at Ole Miss. Some coaches that uh, did a good job, but uh, I know that also 2019 would have probably been a similar situation where Auburn, who did end up beating them obviously in the NCAA tournament, 
uh, would have felt really good about uh, their chances there and then did lose a home game there. So Kentucky is usually uh, used to this. And, and again, I think that Auburn being one of the, the very best in the entire country environments will, will be enough still. And Auburn is, I think, a little bit better team. But uh, teams that are uh, able to go on the road and make 15 threes, that it's at least in their DNA to be able to do that, that is going to pose a different challenge than what most teams can provide in the league. So uh, as long as Auburn is, is functioning well offensively, they are able to take advantage of uh, some of the, the lesser size that Kentucky has, or if Auburn is able to hang with Kentucky and make some threes with them, Auburn will be just fine, I agree. But um, I'm always going to have respect for teams that, that shoot uh, top 10, top 20 in the country from the three-point line. Let's head back to the orthopedic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show this afternoon, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you today? I'm good. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that from that last caller, I know he was talking about Auburn and Alabama for uh, the women's basketball game that's going to be tomorrow, and I will be there in Colin Coliseum to actually see that. And I think that Auburn would beat Alabama in their house uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon as well. So I think Auburn is really going to look good uh, tomorrow because I was looking at uh, the highlights from last night when we played against Kentucky. And uh, Denia Mia Young, she is phenomenal. No, uh, no player in the SEC or in college basketball can stop Denia Mia Young. She, she is out. She, she's just like really, she's on fire, and she needs to bring that fire tomorrow to Colin Coliseum. And I'm just gonna tell her when I see her before the game, I'm gonna tell her just keep that composure and just. Work on your jump shots, move in, move out, and just move the players around. And we just got it from there as well. Yeah, yeah, a couple things there. The previous caller did uh, was, was talking about the Auburn-Kentucky men's basketball game tomorrow yeah. oh, in Neville okay. Arena. So uh, that was one thing. And then obviously yeah, the Auburn women do play on Sunday at uh, Coleman mm-hmm. Coliseum against Alabama. That big rivalry is Auburn tries to sweep Alabama. And, and you're right, Auburn women did have a nice uh, game last night against Kentucky. Uh, another important box check for that Auburn women's team as uh, they're starting to move up the SEC standings now. They're getting uh, getting towards the middle of the pack, and they're on the tournament bubble. So that Alabama game will be a, a very big one this weekend. Yes, as well, because I, I was looking at the uh, tournament standings, and we are looking really good in that three spot for the tournament. So I'm just going to see how between Sunday and Monday, how they're going to actually, how they're going to climb up the ladder, and I'm hoping that we'll be in the second or first spot. So I just have to see uh, some other teams, some other college teams on the ladies' side of things to see who will Auburn play uh, in the women's March Madness tournament coming up next month as well. So I'm just going to see how things are going to look before I make my final decision on uh, my brackets as well. So I'm still studying on these women uh, college basketball teams right now. Yeah, and again, a, uh, a very big month of February for them too because after the Alabama game, they go to LSU. They host 17-7 and Texas A&M and host 20-6 and Mississippi State. So no easy games remaining in the month of February. Auburn uh, is, again, on the bubble. The men's team is, uh, is circling around that three-seed line 
uh, in the tournament, but we'll see if the women's team can keep playing good basketball and end up making the NCAA tournament. Yes, as well. And then for the men, I know we actually play Kentucky. So I think with Janiah Broome, I look I look at him as an NBA player because I know he's really having that NBA uh, style played to him as well. And I know a lot of NBA scouts are looking at him, maybe like uh, like Orlando, Bo- uh, the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, the New York the the Utah Jazz, just to name a few teams that might want his uh, criteria in the NBA. And I'm pretty sure he might be like the first or second round ballot uh, player that they need as well. Uh, yeah, no, certainly a, a lot of that there. Um, I think with Janai Broom, uh, he did want to come back to college to work on the three-point game that's something nba evaluators would definitely want out of him is the ability to stretch the floor a little bit he has improved his jump shot greatly he is uh, now in the upper 30 percent range from three which is a huge improvement from last year hopefully he can sustain that and continue it Uh, if he does that then i think he would have a chance of being maybe a second round pick in the nba draft uh, but, but again, he's got to continually hit that shot. He's going to be uh, – he's still in the watch list for all the big uh, basketball awards. I think he's probably going to be first-team All-SEC. So he's doing a great job this year, but he's got to keep at it, especially from the perimeter if he wants to be in the NBA. Yes, as well. So if he actually makes that decision uh, to go into the NBA, I'll probably see him actually starting off in the G League and probably coming to the uh, Texas Legends because I think we might my team, my uh, G League team, we might look at him as well. So I just have to see, um, you know, if that if that actually is going to be, uh, you know, if that's going to be you know, what we need, and I'm just going to see how he's going to do if he comes to the G League and play for the Texas Legends, the affiliate of the Dallas Mavericks. So if, if the Mavericks looking into him as well, we might as well need him as well as soon as possible indeed. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, ends up happening there. Yes, as well. And then with me being so happy, I was watching my Dallas Stars last night, and we actually won 9-2 to against uh, the Sabres last night. And I'm thinking that we're really looking good, and I'm hoping that we'll make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs this year as well. So we have a huge uh, schedule in February and then a huge schedule in March. And we'll just have I just have to see how they're going to uh, stand out on the other side of the schedule as well. Yeah, your Dallas Stars are number one in the Central Division in the Western Conference and number two overall in the Western Conference. So the Stars are having a very good year. And uh, to thump somebody like the National Predators 9-2 to two last night, I mean, that is a, uh, a, a pretty gaudy win there. Not many uh, teams win by seven goals. Yes, as well, because we were almost close to making it 10-2, to but we just had to cut it short as well. So I think uh, we do play uh, we do play the National Predators again. Uh, I got to look at our schedule, so I'm thinking our next game would be next week. We play um, the Washington Capitals, if I'm correct on that one. Uh, that that is a team, and uh, I'm looking at their schedule, and uh, they they uh, believe they have the Edmonton Oilers actually next. That's on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Then they've got the Boston Bruins. So uh, the Bruins are a really good team. Then they got the Rangers. So they got some big matchups here in the next few days. 
Yes, that's what I'll say. I just have to see how we're going to beat uh, the Oilers as well. So I'm I'm pretty sure that that's going to be a win because I think we did play the Oilers one time, and it's going to be a really uh, tough uh, game for us. But I think I got them. I got my Dallas Stars winning that one as well. So I'm just going to keep my Dallas Stars uh, hopes, dreams, lives to actually uh, win this Stanley Cup playoff this year. Again, they're in really good playoff position, so we'll see what they can get done this year. Yes, as well. And then with the NFL season that's going to be coming up, um, I'm actually going to be looking at uh, the off season and seeing who's uh, who's going to stay in their contract with different teams. I'm not sure if uh, Willie Gay is going to be staying with the championship uh, Super Bowl team of the Kansas City Chiefs, or is he going to get traded to a different team as well. Well, many people are wondering that, but uh, we'll see what happens with him. We'll see what happens with Chris Jones and some of the other big free agents for Kansas City. And uh, mm-hmm. NFL free agency will get going here in just a few weeks. So we're looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely, because I'm actually uh, covering everything in the NFL and uh, seeing if who's going to who's actually going to uh, what teams are actually going to be switching players and. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if the Kansas City Chiefs will make it to another Super Bowl. Maybe they can host one, maybe in 2026 or 2027. I'll probably see that probably like in the near future for Kansas City as well. And I would like to see some other players, some other teams actually making it to the uh, 2025, uh, 2025 Super Bowl in uh, New Orleans. And I do have my, uh, my Super Bowl predictions for that. I'll probably see Dallas and Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers playing in uh, New Orleans next year as well because that's a that would be a really good matchup between two iconic historic franchise teams, and I think that Dak Prescott would um, actually win their first Super Bowl in in less than over uh, over years. But I don't know when that time will come for Dak Prescott as well. Yeah, we shall see. Dallas was uh, was going to have a good shot at it this year, but of course, early exit in the playoffs. And then for Pittsburgh, I just don't know uh, if Kenny Pickett is going to be the answer there. But we'll see how they try to reload. They've continued to, to stay stay relevant with Mike Tomlin because he's a good coach, but their roster does need some work. Yes, as well because I don't have any. Uh, well, I do have NBA uh, trivia that I want to do because I know tomorrow would be the All Star game, so I'll probably take uh, the All Star trivia challenge uh, right now as well. Well, we are running t- uh, low on time for this hour, James. Is there any way we could do this on Monday? Uh, yes, I will okay. uh, take that on Monday. All right, and War Eagle. Absolutely, War Eagle. That's James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to take another quick timeout, and we'll be back to wrap up hour number one right after this. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday edition of the program coming up in hour number two. We will go over a few other things in the world of sports. Uh, also take more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, appreciate phone calls from Die Hard Die and from James there on the other side of that break. If you ever miss anything, go back and check out the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh, as uh, you, That's available wherever you may get your podcast. Um, so we've got a, a couple of uh, minutes here before the end of hour number one. So we will, uh, we will kind of continue to go over a little bit of Auburn and Kentucky right now. Um, as the Tigers get set to host College Game Day again, um, I think that the ability to market your program on Game Day and be able to put it out in front of everyone is again just another another level of intention for the nation as a whole. It's one thing to be racking up wins. I think Brooks, you talked a little bit about this earlier on the SEC Network or something like that. But when you've got the whole ESPN crew there and you've got this sport that it's so much bigger than football because you get your brands in football, there's 50 or 60 of them nationwide, and then there's a few regional programs, and and that's about it. But because of the sport of basketball, uh, you've got not only all those conferences, but there's teams like Dayton, which is a pretty big brand. You've got teams like Gonzaga, which is a big brand. You you go through almost all these small conferences, you can still pinpoint a, one or two teams, a Memphis or whoever. So the sport's got so many more teams to pay attention to, obviously, but then also your branding is a little bit different. So for Auburn to continue this climb and continually get the respect it deserves for the last six or seven years that it's had – the success under Bruce Pearl, I think that these games become that much more important. I was posed the question last night, which I will pose to you now. If you could only have one of the following two, which one would you rather have? Would you rather have Auburn win the Kentucky game this Saturday or win the at Tennessee game here in a couple weeks? Oh, that's tough. That's a tough one. That's that's I I I, I went think, back and forth on it too. Yeah, I I'm very back and forth on it. But I think I think I would prefer that they win the Kentucky game because it is on such a big stage, right, in front of everybody on ESPN and all of that. Um as well as you're at home 
and Auburn's obviously got this crazy long home winning streak uh, that they've been able to to really, you know, speak as a testament to them. Uh, you know, just the home environment that they that they can create in in Neville Arena. Um, so I I would say, yeah, I would I would say that I would say I would say win the Kentucky game because it's just it's tough to win in Tennessee. Now that now that would be. A testament to the team itself if you go into Tennessee and you win that game now that I would I would say that much so maybe in terms of just like now where is this team compared to other teams however however and you go into Knoxville and you and you win against a really good Tennessee team then yeah that makes the team look a lot better but I I still think I would prefer would prefer to win at home uh, against Kentucky I went I'm I, I just went through very quickly Auburn sitting on three losses right now. I'm just for the the point of this exercise. I'm going to say Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky. Those six teams are in in the conversation for a SEC title because I, there's there's a lot of these teams that I don't think are going to lose two more games. And that's if Auburn were to lose one more game, that would be get to that four losses in the in the conference. So you know you you look at it. I think. So if you're you're automatically, I would automatically get you to four losses on the conference if you were Auburn losing the Kentucky or the Tennessee game by winning one of those. Alabama's got a pretty tough schedule coming up. Uh, they've got A and M, Florida, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida again, and Arkansas. South Carolina has got a fairly tough schedule too. LSU's fine. Uh, Ole Miss, Texas A and M, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Tennessee has Vandy, Missouri, A&M, Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky. The easiest schedule on here is Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina, Alabama again, and then Vanderbilt. The easiest schedule because you get Vanderbilt twice and a Missouri team in there. If I'm looking at it, your probably more direct competition, I think, is the Tennessee game. I would sacrifice the win streak at Neville Arena to win that road game against Tennessee because... I think that you, I think Kentucky could have another loss in there, and Tennessee. I don't if they lose to if they lose to Auburn. I don't know if they they they've got a loss on their schedule except for maybe that road loss at Alabama. I think they can beat Kentucky. I think they can beat South Carolina, uh, Vanderbilt, and Tennessee there. And uh, I, I think that if they may go on the road, Alabama going and playing at Coleman Coliseum may be a challenge. So I think I would take the Tennessee win on the road over the Kentucky win at home because I think that gives Auburn a better chance of winning the conference. No, I like that angle there for sure. And I think that uh, it's pretty valid because I just don't expect Kentucky to still run the table the rest of the way, uh, even if they were able to beat Auburn tomorrow. Uh, Whereas Tennessee, if they get the win over Auburn, that's, as you said, the fourth conference loss. Tennessee currently has three. You you got to find at least one more loss to to tie and get co-champs, but uh, the likelihood of them losing two more is incredibly low. And uh, I, I just I think that if you wanted to go that angle for sure, that that's a very fair way of looking at it. It is special though what Auburn's doing at home, and would be uh, you know without knowing what would be to come, it would be a very tough pill to swallow to lose college game day on your home floor and, and in front of 
again, a, a bigger TV audience and that sort of thing. So it's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, we're going to take our end of hour timeout right now. When we come back, we'll head back to the orthopedic clinic phone line in hour number two, as well as get to birthdays and sports, amongst other things. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here. On this Friday afternoon, T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls as we've been previewing Auburn and Kentucky. We will get back to that in just a little bit. We'll also get back to the orthopedic clinic phone line in just a moment. But as we do each and every day, we want to get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. John McEnroe turned 65 today. Former tennis player McEnroe is only, the only male player since the inception of the ATP rankings in 1973 to simultaneously hold the world number one rankings in both singles and doubles. McEnroe finished his career with 77 singles titles on the ATP Tour and 78 doubles titles. This remains the highest men's combined total of the Open Era. He's the only male player to win more than 70 titles in both singles and doubles. Also does commentary for Tennis on ESPN. John McEnroe is 65 today. Also played college tennis at uh, Stanford. Go Cardinals. Go Cardinals. Go Trees. Uh, Jerome Bettis, the bus, is 52 today. Former NFL running back, nicknamed the bus. He played college football at Notre Dame. Go Irish. Was selected 10th overall by the Los Angeles Rams in the 1993 NFL Draft. Bettis was a member of the Rams for three seasons before being traded to Pittsburgh, where he became uh, where he was the remainder of his career. He became a six-time Pro Bowler and two-time first-team All-Pro selection, regarded as one of the greatest power running backs of all time, and ranked eighth in NFL rushing yards. He retired in 2006 after helping the Steelers win another Super Bowl title. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2015, and one of the very first football video games I played, which was like NFL 2K2, I think. The man broke every single tackle. You could never tackle him. It was maddening. He was so large. And that's probably what it felt like in real life. But Jerome Bettis, the bus, is 52 today. We are two years away from it being 20 years since he retired. That's yeah. crazy. And you still have some memories there yeah. of that Super Bowl, that, that Cardinal Super Bowl. That was a good one. 
I, I, I did not like that Super Bowl. Huh? I was not rooting for Pittsburgh. Anyway, Amon Green is 47, former NFL running back, played college football for Nebraska. Go uh, Corn. Go Corn. You were going to say go Huskers and yeah, you changed it to Corn. I changed it to the last minute. Right. Pivot. Uh, earning, well, I mean, they are both. They are Corn Huskers. Uh, earning second team All American honors in 1997. Green was selected by the Seattle Seahawks in the third round of the 1998 NFL draft, playing there for two seasons before being traded to Green Bay with whom he played for eight of the next ten seasons. Green also played for the Houston Texas, was a four-time Pro Bowl selection with the Packers, where he holds the franchise record for rushing yards. He is a member of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Amon Green is 47 today. And Todd McClure is also 47, former NFL center. McClure played college football at LSU. Before being drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in the seventh round of the 1999 NFL Draft, McClure spent his entire 13-year career with Atlanta, starting in 195 games with the Falcons. He is a member of the Atlanta Falcons Ring of Honor. I would say that's a very useful seventh-round draft choice. Todd McClure is 47 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. And if you have a birthday out there, Happy birthday to you as well. I certainly had a good one yesterday. Good. Uh, and uh, ate food to hear. and drank drinks and had fun, and I've recovered, and here I am. All right, so we go back to the orthopedic clinic photo line now, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show this afternoon. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, I'm feeling... Um Real chipper, and uh, it's good to be back on the air. Thank you, guys. Uh, Ryan LaVoy, uh, Mr. Married Man, Brooke Childress, and, and uh, Mr. Cam Barry. Yes, sir. All right. Mr. Married Man, you know where I'm uh, – are you familiar with the John Boy and Billy Big Show? I sure am. Well, you know they have a segment on there called Married Man? I, I do. Okay. So, uh, since you are Mr. Married Man, uh, you know, I, I take it you are really – very much into not only baseball and all sports. I'm just wondering, uh, how does this sit with your wife, Grace? Does she enjoy as what you do, or does she go to another room? What's the arrangement? Oh, she does not enjoy sports to my level. I don't think really a lot of people enjoy sports to my level, except for folks that are sitting in this room with me. Um, she, uh, we we've got a compromise kind of going. Uh, it, it will go, you know, we'll go to the movies about once a week. Um, she she gets home before I do, so in, in the time that she's home, she gets on Netflix or Hulu and watches some stuff until dinner. And then after dinner, I'll I'll start watching some sports. Sometimes she'll go in the other room and read or or watch something on TV. But my biggest uh, sports intake, I've really gotten into the uh, the West Coast games because she goes to bed before me, and so when right after she goes to bed, I'll I'll go in there and watch the late the late nba or the late hockey stuff so she didn't yell out turn it down uh i've i've only gotten turn it down a couple of times uh i've only got to turn, turn it down a couple of times and i i admit they were the tv was a little loud uh but it was uh just just a couple of times okay well uh you know you you, you gotta be very careful okay because if she's not happy uh oh. Oh yeah. Plus, we also have a, a a good deal going where from August to January with football season weekends or at least Saturdays are you know I'm I'm going to watch college football. I'm going to take in college football, and then the rest of the year, if she wants to go you know do something whatever weekend, I I agree to it no matter what what it is. Okay, you're done. Now, getting on to your comments, uh, and Ryan, you you brought up that uh, just uh, ungodly. Uh, fourth choice of losing or winning uh, Kentucky versus winning 
uh, Tennessee. So <clears throat> I heard your 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 pick there, uh, Mr. Brooks Childers, and I say to you, have you no shame? <laughs> I, I'm looking for a, a conference you title. You, I don't want to lose to damn Kentucky, especially now on ESPN game day. I don't want to lose. Man. I don't want to lose either of them. But I, I'm looking at a conference title here. Ah, uh, no, you're not losing at home on ESPN's game day. And this is the fourth time we've been uh, for, for a game day selection on ESPN. Not going to do it. Ain't happening. <laughs> I, I would take lo- a damn Tennessee loss at their place. I, I'm just I'm tired of losing at Tennessee. I don't care. I'm not going to lose at ESPN game day to lowly Kentucky. Yeah, again, what we're – yes, good. Disagreement, <laughs> good. I, I I hear out both sides. I I was not as convicted by one or the other. I think it's a tough choice in, in my opinion. I do think that uh, the opportunity to perform uh, not only against Kentucky but mainly on college game day – uh, in front of this, uh, this was well, going to be a raucous crowd in front of a bigger TV audience. I think that's very important and relevant uh, to the national conversation. And I, I, I covet the home winning streak that Auburn has and the home environment they've built. So, f- from op- an optics perspective, I think it is worse to lose to Kentucky. From a from a conference championship perspective, I think it is worse to lose to Tennessee. So it's just about whichever side of the equation you fall on. Do you want the optics to look a little better nationwide? Do you want to beat Kentucky because you hate Kentucky and that sort of thing? Or do you want to have a, a kind of a better slot in the race for the SEC regular season title? Well, hold on, my friend. Uh, we can still win the SEC championship uh, even if we lost to Tennessee because if we win all the rest of the games, uh, Tennessee's still behind us, are they not? No, they're they're tied with Auburn right now. They're tied with us? Yeah, okay. with three losses. Well, so they're not. They they still have some t- tough games. They play Alabama, don't they? Uh, they do play Alabama, but you need Tennessee to win that one because then who's Alabama going to lose to? Uh, they still got some some road games that they can lose to. They got Florida to play, don't they? Yeah, but again, they're going to have to lose two because under the scenario, Auburn have four losses, so Bama has two right now. Tennessee has three. Uh, so you'd need Tennessee okay, to lose at least one. Me with the math <laughs> well, I mean, it, I'm saying it's a very real thing. So these teams are not going to lose more than just a couple more times. So you got to be very intentional about which games it is. Okay, then uh, I'll take I'll take uh, Bama losing if we win uh, the national championship. Then, well, I, I look, I I would I, sure, uh, but uh, that that was not the hypothetical. <laughs> That's my opposite. Well, sure. Yeah, right. I'll take the. I, you, yeah, I'll take losses to Kentucky and Tennessee if Auburn wins the national championship. Sure, go go for it. Okay, <laughs> and I think this team uh, call me crazy. Okay, uh, call me uh, with uh, needing some medication, but I'm just looking here uh, from Jason Caldwell's uh, comparing. I don't know if you've seen the comparison article on how statistically uh, this team stacks up during uh, Coach. Uh, Earl's uh, era of all the coaches, and real brief, let's go down. Offensive efficiency, this is according to Ken Palm's rankings, uh, this team is ranked number two. Okay. Second place. All right. Defensive efficiency, we rank number one. And, and again, from a team, efficiency. from a team, by the way, that Bruce Pearl was worried about would not be a good defensive team. Let's not forget exactly. that at the beginning of the year. Right. Number one uh, since he's been here, this team. Rebounding rate, we're in second place compared to the other uh, nine um, years. All right, assist rate. We are number one. Okay, First yeah, play. I can see that. These these guards move the ball. Now, turnover rate surprisingly, we're only uh, 
fourth best. Interesting, because uh, that is a pretty good team to take care of the ball. Only ten and a half turnovers or so a game, ten turnovers a game, and and some of the best individual games they've had. It feels like in, in program history. If they had not had the shot clock violation in Atlanta against Indiana, they would have broke the record for fewest turnovers in a single game. I would number one again in assist turnover ratio. Not surprising there. That again, uh, very good passing team, and still ultimately ten turnovers a game is not a lot. All right, we're number one in points per game. Okay, interesting. Okay. Three-point shooting. Now, this one's where we really, really uh, middle, think. middle to bottom. Six. Yeah, yeah. Again, that, that's even with the hot performance the other day. Again, that's why I'm saying again, this Auburn team is usually not destined to to win three-point shootoffs, but they do it in every other ways. They're still an excellent offense. They they've never needed the three less, which is which is good news, but. Uh, but, yeah, this is still not a great shooting team. Free throw shooting. This was a pleasant surprise. We're second place. Okay, yeah. And, and look, I will credit, too, uh, I will credit someone like Dylan Cardwell, who I think I flat, I might have just flat out said this this guy's never going to make free throws because uh, he was in the 30% range. And 68.3% is not some, like, unbelievable number where college basketball players can't obtain obviously plenty shoot better than 68 percent but to get from basically double your free throw percentage is insane and a lot of credit to him and credit to all these other guys i mean really every guard for auburn that plays a lot is at least at 76 77 percent even even katie johnson or or ain holloway so uh they they have gotten their bigs into a serviceable place while their guards have been excellent uh, do you happen to know, I think Jalen Williams is one of our better free throw shooters, but who is our best free throw shooter? Yeah, so Jalen Williams is 81.8, and, and he does shoot a, a fair amount. By the percentage, Denver Jones is the best free throw shooter. He is 90.6. Uh, Trey Donaldson's 89.3. Chad Baker-Mazzara, 86.1. And Jalen Williams, 81.8. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't yep. know they were that much. Okay. Yep. Uh, block rate. Uh, I thought this surprised me. We're in sixth place, the sixth best team. I can see, I can see that just because I feel like Auburn had it more. Uh, a Walker Kessler year was insane. Uh, they had length all over the place, and Kessler was individually unbelievable. Uh, I, I feel like other teams have maybe had three or four block options. Where I feel like it's really just Broom and Cardwell in this team. I, even Baker Mazzara, for as long as lanky as he is, doesn't contribute a whole lot to that. And I just feel like other teams maybe had a little, a few more options, even if if Broom and Cardwell are pretty comparable to some of the other better block shot guys. So I think it's just about not having as many involved in that. Okay. I guess I've just been focused on how well tonight brings in blocking. Sure. And Maywood. Steel rate. Where would you guess this team uh, is in uh, a place of on steel rate? Uh, I, I really – I can't – I know they're at like seven or eight steals a game, but I don't – I have the the knowledge off the top of my head on, on what's what's normal there. So uh, you could you could tell me anything from higher or, or higher or one of the better teams or one of the lower teams. Okay, they're in fourth place. Okay. The best team on steel rate was the 2018-19 team. They were at 12.8. That's a lot. Okay, yeah. If it's in double digits, I would have identified that as surely being a lot. That's that's that was a big time. This year's team is 10.5. All right. All right, and that's it. Those are all the uh, Cisco analysis there. So, uh, back to tomorrow's game, guys. Uh, Ryan, you're going to, is that right? Yes, I'm covering it uh, for, for us and then uh, Cam with his TV station. Okay, so neither of you then Correct. can be screaming and yelling then. 
No. no. Uh, internally, <laughs> sure. Uh, but again, out loud, no. Okay. And there are, I don't know where these mics are during the games, but I routinely hear the same high screeching, uh, whatever you call it, a banshee kind of shrill. Probably uh, somewhere in the student section. Do you know? But it's the same kind of female voice I hear. I said, who is this person, you know? I, 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 I don't know. Idea, but I, probably in the student section, I would say. They, I don't know if they intentionally put themselves, you know, in where the microphone area is. Uh, no, probably not. Based no. on, I, I think they're just that shrill. I yeah. mean, I, I, that and yeah. some of those students do sit in the same spot every single time for every game. So if it's where the microphone is, just happens to be where yeah. she's sitting. I mean, that's just how yeah, it is. I, I know when I was a student and I went to almost every single home basketball game, conference or non-conference, uh, our little group, we would try to be in as close to the same spot as we can. Like, we did not want baseline if we could avoid it. We'd want it obviously closer to midcourt um so and we usually did it more in the second half so more towards the auburn bench than the away bench so we were in general we were in that quadrant of the student section i'd say 80 to 90 percent of the time so i think that that's probably a pretty common practice okay so it's just coincidence probably so okay now about uh kentucky guys i'm looking at ken palm's rankings he has those number four he has Kentucky at 26. Remember, you have South Carolina at 50, I think. Was it 50? Uh, I think at the time he had them in the 40s, but I think they dropped to 50 after yeah, the loss. Yeah, he had 50, yeah. yeah. Okay, so our record, because I read from Jason uh, Call, is, uh, well, their record is 1 in 5 against us. Uh, at home? Yeah. Yeah. And On the I last think, six, wow. yeah. You know, I when I was growing up, we, I mean, it was pretty much a given. We ain't winning at home or on the road against Kentucky. So to be one and five is a, quite an accomplishment. And um, you know, this season, all the games that we have won have all been by double digits. Right. So taking that to account, we win tomorrow. It should be by double digits, right? I mean, again, given given that statistic, yes. And I will tell you this: that after this Kentucky game, the remaining home schedule is just Mississippi State and Georgia. I think they will win the, both those easily at home. Even though Auburn did lose at Mississippi State, we don't know about Georgia yet. But I, I would, I'd go ahead and wager they'll beat them both by double digits. So, if Auburn can do this, uh, then they'll probably win every single game there by by double digits, which will be. Uh, which would be quite the feat, um, but we'll see. I know the the line is nine and a half, so again, you're basically bank banking on something around double digits, and I think it's certainly in play again. This Kentucky team can kind of fall apart, but uh, as I keep going back to, I just think it's a mistake to just write them off because they've not been playing well and because Auburn just destroyed South Carolina again. I think I think the three pointer will be something that will be very pivotal in this game. Yeah, I'm not writing off. Sure. Though, yeah, and I wasn't saying uh, you the, were. I wasn't saying you were. The, yeah. the tie-dye, is it, um, tie, uh, tie-dye pad, uh, uh, he, he was pretty confident. But I am concerned about uh, this team, as I was reading, is in many ways similar like Florida. They can give us some real fits because they've got some people who have a lot of long arms. Yeah, I mean, they do have nice wingspan. They're not a bigger team, though, overall. Uh, again, they're, they're, they're best. They're very physical. Yeah, sure. well, I – 
they're athletic. I don't know if that's necessarily physical because they usually physical teams can play defense. Kentucky is not a very good defensive team. So if they try to be physical, they usually just foul and they're not good good at it. So I would deem them athletic. Uh, sure, if you want to deem them a little bit long uh, because of wingspan, that sort of thing, fine. Uh, but they only have one player uh, that plays a lot that's bigger than 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and, and he it gets in foul trouble all the time in Aaron Bradshaw. So, uh, again, I, I, I don't want to discount that part of it, but I do think that there's a reason they are shooting the most threes that a Kentucky Calipari team has ever shot. Uh, and it's not just because they're making them. It's because that they don't have as many answers down low. So if you're Kentucky's coach, Cal Perry, will you be double-teaming either Janiah or Jalen or not? No, I, I wouldn't because I would trust the athletes uh, that, that you have. Um, and, and I would say that if you can keep one or two guys out of foul trouble, I don't think Broom will just destroy Bradshaw. I mean, I, he could – uh, but Bradshaw is seven foot, and he's pretty athletic. So Broom would try to use his physicality. Bradshaw would try to use his length uh, and quickness, and that would be a very interesting matchup. If Auburn can get him out and really start to victimize Kentucky down low, then that will be at least a consideration for Kentucky. I would not think they would start that way, though. Now they're a fast-paced offense. Is that correct? Yes, they they will they will not hesitate to pull and transition, and uh, the the deeper into a possession it goes, the the more antsy they get. So this possibly could be a high-scoring game. I, I I think it should. I mean, Kentucky again, they're third in the country in scoring, and they're three twenty-fourth, I believe, in allowing points per game. So they they are always involved in high-scoring games. And one stat I failed to mention that I have uh, in the opening part of the show is that, so that in 11 conference games seven of those 11 games one of the teams has hit 90 points so in other words either kentucky score 90 or they're giving up 90 in seven of 11 games in conference play holy crap i did not know yep. that thanks for letting me know that someone right, will score a lot if i can move real quickly uh this lady is i mean uh, i wish we could uh, get her and play on our team uh, on a men's team not a women's team caitlin clark she broke the record last night, and she only needed two minutes and 15 seconds, according to Bleacher Reports, to do that. Right, guys? Uh, yeah, I think she scored the first eight for Iowa. She yeah. hit like a 35-footer. Yep. Well, apparently she's doing wonders for uh, uh, Iowa's attendance because uh, they're breaking attendance records uh, because of her, and their opponents are, are breaking attendance records because of her. So yep. she finished, guys, with 49 points. And so she got only one record out of break, and she's got to do it because – She's only 99 points away from beating Pete Maravich's record. Right, and I still uh, – this was a, a call yesterday from Anthony, too. And, again, I still kind of view those as, as um, separate accomplishments because you are playing just different people. You are playing different players. And, um, yes, she's going to have the most points in, in the NCAA's history, but uh, those are still, in my view, two separate records. Okay, so you are saying they're not equivalencies. In the records, no, because I mean, again, you're just not playing the same same players. It's just not the same circumstance. Okay, fair enough. But she's uh, one one heck of a uh, an athlete when it comes to absolutely, to yeah, no, no doubt about that. And she's again, she the impact she's had on women's college basketball is huge and monumental, as for the reasons you said. And and Iowa is is 
you know, I, I don't think anyone a few years ago would have been, I can't wait to watch Iowa women's college basketball, and yet there are a lot of people that feel that way now. So her impact is still immense, absolutely. All right. And finally, this is for you, um, Mr. Baseball Married Man Brooks. Yep. Uh, were you aware that the Dodgers and the Padres are going to be playing their Major League Baseball opener in Seoul, South Korea? I did see that, where they're, the Major League Baseball is doing more of an effort to to get some of these games overseas. I know they've done the London series the last few years. Uh, they've, they've had a series in Japan, not recently, but it's it's been within the last 10 years where they've opened up over there. They've done a Sydney one, too, in, in uh, Sydney, Australia. So, yeah, I did see that they were going to be starting this year in Seoul, South Korea. Well, the people over there are going to get to enjoy actual Dodger Stadium food. They're going to be uh, offering uh, on one of the the menus the Dodger Dog, which is a 10-inch pork sausage. Uh, I didn't know about that one. And uh, they will also be having another uh, interesting item uh, that's, um, what's it called? Um, um, Oh, the... um, Fries, loaded fries. Oh, I love they loaded fries. In, they come in an upside-down plastic Dodgers helmet. Okay, kind of like ice cream. I guess. And the Padres uh, team is going to be uh, having the, it's called the Barrio Dog. It comes wrapped in bacon mm. on a brioche bun. Good. Yep, I'm in. Yep. I'm in. God knows what they charge for those, right? Yes, but I'm still in. You're still in. <laughs> okay, now the... So South Korea uh, people will be also having their uh, menu item, which is chicken and beer. Wow. Oh. So there you go. If you didn't know it then, boy, you do know it now. So, guys, I hope that we have a not nail-biting win, but I hope it's a win that you know just uh, impresses people uh, that are watching and, and hopefully uh, – uh, the rest of the people who are involved in the uh, bracketology. When did the official uh, net rankings come out, guys? Are you talking about like the NCAA reveal, the, yes. the top 16 seeds like prior to the tournament and that sort of thing? Right. Uh, I think it's going to be the last weekend of February or first weekend of March, one of the two. Brooks is double-checking. So not this weekend, but it's either going to be the next weekend or the weekend after that. Usually it's like a – I think it's a Sunday. So it's pretty close to the end of the regular season. Then. Yeah, it's 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 again it's coming up soon. It is before the end of the regular season, but I think it's still another week or two away. Uh, NCAA D one men's basketball committee to unveil top sixteen teams Saturday. Oh, never mind. This Saturday. Yep. All right, we're going to go ahead and get to it then. Wait a minute, is this Saturday? Yeah, the That's bracket the the bracket show will appear at twelve thirty p.m. Eastern time on Saturday on CBS. All right, so we'll already okay. get a look at it. Yep. So it's before our game then. Yes. Yes. Okay, and they'll come out uh, after that on what particular day, weekly? Oh, they they only do it once. They yeah. they, oh, they, they do it once. Yeah, they only do it once for a reference point. Yeah, yep. they don't, they don't make a show of it like the uh, the college football playoff yeah. rankings do. Yep, one okay. time deal. Well, you can tell I'm not that educated or or knowledgeable when it comes to the uh, NCAA tournament basketball thing. So this is it, and then we don't get another view of that until the tournament starts. Yep, or right before it. Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you again for your time, and thanks for educating me on some things I was not aware of. So I hope we all have an enjoyable uh, Auburn uh, sports weekend. We've got baseball games playing right now, right? Uh, there are games being played right now, but Auburn uh, first pitch is at 6 o'clock tonight. 6 o'clock. Okay. All right, guys. Have a safe weekend, 
and enjoy yourselves. No matter what you're doing, you'll still get caught. War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on our orthopedic clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next break. We'll be back with more sports call after this timeout. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Brian Lavoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. TP Hammock is running the board, taking your phone calls. Of course, I want to remind you about the Sports Call podcast, which is presented by Coca-Cola. It's available wherever you may get your podcast. So if you ever miss something or want to hear it again, again, go check it out on the Sports Call podcast. Everything from Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. It's all available the Sports Call Auburn Podcast. All right, uh, so let's change things up a little bit. We will get back to basketball in the 5 o'clock hour. I do want to spend a minute on Auburn baseball. We did spend some time yesterday on it, uh, but Auburn baseball getting set for action against Eastern Kentucky, three-game series this weekend. Uh, again, some changes to Plainsman Park. Frank Thomas is over at Plainsman Park uh, with the new Hall of Fame club. We mentioned yesterday Brooks will be at a game there. TP will be at a game there. So you guys obviously already a bit excited about it, as as am I. Uh, And this team, again, uh, looking for a healthier year out of Joseph Gonzalez, looking uh, to solidify Will Cannon in that closers role. My boy. Uh, And then looking for some of their transfers to be able to fill in the gaps when you lose a Cole Foster, you lose a Bryson Ware, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, But ultimately, just excited. And and I can tell – I'm going to give you a little inside baseball for the listener. I'm sitting beside Brooks Childress in the uh, the studio. And other than the first few minutes of the show, my boy has been watching college baseball – pretty much nonstop for the last hour or so and it's beautiful and right now he's he's watching some sec baseball with arkansas so i'm he's he's full send he he's he's ready yeah we had a we've had our first sec baseball game come to an end a little bit ago and it also featured our first walk-off of the season vanderbilt the number six team in the country had to come back and walk it off against florida atlantic beat them 12 to 11 uh in their home opener to start things out arkansas currently right now uh, the number three team in the country about to finish things off against James Madison. They're up six to four right now with two outs in the 
top of the ninth, a 3-2 count on the James Madison hitter. Uh, LSU was struggling with some VMI earlier, is uh, the reports that are uh, out. Uh, we'll, I'll, after Arkansas finishes things up here, I'll flip over and see what's happening in the bayou uh, <laughs> down there. I think Alabama has started. Uh, they're playing Manhattan to get things started with. Uh, and so a lot of a lot of baseball, a lot of fun fun stuff going on right now. And Arkansas just finished it off six to four, so they are one and zero on the season against James Madison. Uh, and there's some late stuff tonight. I think uh, Ole Miss is opening up out in Hawaii. They don't play till like eleven fifty nine tonight or ten ten fifty nine tonight. So you get some late night SEC baseball if you wanna you wanna stay up and and take in. But I'm I'm so I'm so excited. I'm I'm all in on this. Again, uh, I just you'd never be able to tell. You would never be able to tell. Uh, but, yeah, no, I can verify he is now in the process of going to LSU and VMI. And, uh, uh, there, LSU has, has rallied back. We're in the bottom of the sixth inning, the number four team in the country of LSU, up 10-6 to six on VMI. So, Brooks, if, you ever, national if you ever want to host, like, a whip around for SEC I'd baseball. Do it. I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, in a heartbeat. I, I'm sure you would. But uh, this Auburn team, I mean, what stands out to you about – What's more important to get off to in a better start, in your opinion, the the hitting or the pitching? I mean, I know that's subjective. I know, um, I, I know. Obviously, the goal is to be above average or better at both. But I mean, if you could only pick one, what do you want to see more of this weekend? I think this at least this weekend, I want to see pitching be a little bit more dominant because when you get into SEC play, and I'm projecting out here, you get into SEC play. Um, you can come out these first couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Auburn's not. I don't think they've got a ranked team on their schedule right now, at least uh, as as of the moment. Um, you can come out and hit the 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 skin off the baseball all you want against these little the, these other teams, and you're gonna be like that's great. You feel good about the bats, but when you get to conference play, you know it it it's you know there there's so many good pitchers in in the southeastern conference. Um, you don't really, you know, you it, it, it may come as a, a as a shock to you. I think pitching is going to be is is going to be vital uh, for for Auburn. And you know, you mentioned it. Joseph, Joseph Gonzalez had uh, was injured. It feels like almost every single year, Auburn baseball struggles with injuries at pitching. It, 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 I don't know what it is, but at some point Auburn is going has struggles with the pitching rotation. You're having to move guys. You're like, all right, can this guy come in and start? What are we going to do with the Sunday starter here? We're moving them, you know, moving this guy here and there. Can we can we juggle this? I think pitching needs to come out, have a big, big start to to this weekend, to to the season. Uh, just to establish your you know establish yourselves, get back into it, especially get get, get a guy like Joseph Gonzalez uh, who is the, uh, I think he's going to be the Saturday starter this week. Chase Alsup is going tonight. Those two guys are MLB prospects. Those two guys have a chance to pitch in the majors here in the next few years. They may not be first-round draft picks, but they are guys with, with Major League Baseball potential. And if they can get off the ground very, very quickly, um, I think that that is going that that's going to pay dividends when you get to that conference play where you get get against teams like Vanderbilt and LSU and Arkansas, where you are you know you're going up against some of the best hitters in the country. Uh, on the other side of the the pitching, uh, Will Cannon taking over at that or starting the at least starting the year that closer role. 
Auburn's had some good closers. Auburn has had some really good closers these last few years. Uh, all the way back, you know, you, we'll go back to even the bull Cody Greenhill uh, when he would come in in the seventh inning and close things out for three innings on Friday, and then you wouldn't be able to use him for the rest of the weekend. But still, he was such a, a dominant pitcher pitcher in that closer role. You've had good closers in the last few years. I think Will Cannon needs to come out, have a good start. And we saw him last year. He's already, uh, I think I saw today, he is on the short list for Stopper uh, of the, the Year, stopper of the year <clears throat> Award to, to start preseason, which is huge. Um, all, I think I think every closer so far under, under Butch Thompson, these last few years at least, have been on that preseason list for Stopper of the Year, which is huge. Huge when you've got a guy in the back end of your bullpen that you can call on to shut games down. Um, I think that uh, it, it's going to be up to – so in in summary, those two guys in the front half of your, your pitching staff also and Gonzalez, I, need, I, I think that they need to have big weekends and big starts to the year. And then I think Will Cannon, if you can get him out there – you know, and, and I, you really don't want to see him out there in a high-leverage situation this first weekend, especially against an Eastern Kentucky team. But if he gets put in one of those situations early – you really want to see him just slam the door on whoever is out there. Pitching is going to be very, very vital this year. Well, Brooks, <laughs> I was going to say we should probably focus on hitting, but then you, you gave can. such, you gave such an empowered speech <laughs> just then that you've convinced me that you're right. The pitching <laughs> probably should be the thing that you really want to see get going, especially, you know, you pointed to just the injuries that, that Auburn has had with the pitching rotation in the last year or so, just struggling to really get some consi- consistency uh, out of the bullpen, just out of your starters, just overall in general. So you, you're right. I, I actually agree with you uh, after, after the way that you kind of posed your side of the argument and saying that, uh, yeah, I feel like the pitching probably should get going a little bit. Uh, you want you want to get some confidence. You want to get some good uh, good innings out of your starters uh, just throughout the weekend and, and into your bullpen. Keep some confidence in there because that, I mean that was something that Auburn struggled with last year was pitching. Uh, I, I felt like the bats were pretty decent last year um, and go so so coming back into it. You you want the pitching rotation to to really um, establish themselves and. Um, yeah, so that that's I, I agree with you, Brooks. Uh, the pitching probably does need to get going for this weekend. Uh, for me, I think that look if I if I gave it down to one individual player, that's where I would go pitching because I've said the name a lot. I'm going to continue to say the name a lot. Joseph Gonzalez. It's not that Auburn does not have other guys that can be capable. It's not that um, even someone like Chase Alsop couldn't become a number one. Uh, we talked to Everett T for the pitching coach on Wednesday for Auburn, and, and clearly he believes that um, they have two number ones. And so it's not even about that. It's about that Joseph Gonzalez, his sophomore year, had a low three ERA, which, again, if you're familiar with the college game, you know that it that is, that is probably – you probably should view college baseball ERAs as half a run to a run um, – better than what the number is compared to MLB. Like a four ERA in in college baseball is more like the 3.5 um, of Major League Baseball, that sort of thing. A, a three is more like a 2.5 in Major League Baseball and, and so on and so forth. And so to have him be that good and, and that young still as a sophomore, knowing the acumen that Butch Thompson's had with pitching coaches – or with pitchers, excuse me, as a pitching coach first, um, you, you really thought that Gonzalez would become the next 
the next dude, the next Tanner Burns, the next Casey Mize, that sort of player. And so I really am hoping for a healthy season out of him, even in his one start he had last year, five shutout innings. And I think that that's going to be a very big deal just as an individual. I do think for the team I'm going to go more hitting just because of some of the new faces in, the, in this lineup. Uh, they do have several. Uh, when you look, and, and their lineup has already been produced for today, um, and I can tell you that I believe there are only – I guess it's about half and half. I think there's four returning starters in the lineup. Uh, when you talk about Ike Irish, Bobby Pierce, Cooper McMurray, and Chris Stanfield, which, by the way, um, they're all lined up three through six in the lineup tonight. So no Stanfield at the top or at the bottom. They've got the four to transfer Derek Fabian in there. They've got Javon Hernandez in there. Um, and then uh, I got, get, I'll tell you less. Gavin Miller's in there and Cooper Weiss are in there. I'll just go ahead and give you the whole lineup. There you go. Um, <laughs> kind of shocked that Caden Green is not in there. Sure. But it, it's opening day lineup. Things are going to get moved around this year. Sure. Um, but so when you've got half of your lineup replaced off of what was a pretty darn good lineup last year, you know, you're hoping to return that similar level of production. And so um, I would say that overall i'm looking more towards hitting college baseball is so hitting uh driven but from an individual standpoint auburn really really needs joseph gonzalez and if they don't get him or they don't get a healthy version of him they just don't get a good version of him then that'll probably the pendulum will probably swing back to pitching for me but i think overall uh that they need these new coming bats to to add to it they've got a good foundation what they got back got back ike irish is probably going to be one of the best hitters in the sec cooper mcmurray's got a lot of power bobby pierce is is kind of a balanced hitter with pop that is uh that has been here a while and chris stanfield i i hope he will be a big on base guy because he is a speedster he's a good defensive outfielder if he gets on base a lot he can be a menace so there's there's some good stuff it's a good foundation but to really complete the lineup you really need uh to be able to get something else out of those new guys and and heck they're going with two newcomers there uh, at the top of the lineup for opening day. We're going to take our final time out of the 4 o'clock hour. Again, stay tuned. More sports call coming up after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. TP Hammock, run the board and taking your phone calls. Only a couple minutes left here in hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, a Sports Call 5 at 5, a What to Watch for over the weekend, and also more preview of Auburn basketball taking on Kentucky for college game day tomorrow in Neville Arena. But 
Uh, we were just talking college baseball. I wanted to update you on a saga going on in Major League Baseball, and which I encouraged you all during the break not to find this news that came out about 30 minutes ago. It's okay. I'm in Spartanburg, South Carolina right now. <laughs> the... Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever, homeless athletics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are now have a front running city for 2025 and 2027 before they move to Las Vegas. And I want you guys to try to guess where this is. This news is coming out after the Las Vegas mayor said stay in Oakland, right? Right. All right. Okay. okay so this yeah, is still supposed that. to be the tweener city. Between 25 and 27. So the Oakland Athletics moving to Las Vegas, you're looking for a city to, to spend a year or two in. Yep. And you would think logically. Memphis. <laughs> I, after I said think logically, Memphis is. Yep. You see. I wanted to go as illogical as possible all the way in the East Coast. Man. It does know. have some logic, but it does make me laugh. Is it Salt Lake City? No, it is not. Is oh. it? Is it? Mm, Probably still somewhere in California, is it right? No, maybe uh, Anaheim. Confirm or deny? Uh, <laughs> is it Fresno State's campus? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Um, Berkeley, California. No, I'm just trying to add insult to injury when you just move like. Five Are we ready? Down the yes, road. I'm yes. ready. Sacramento, <laughs> home of Dang a triple A team. <laughs> Uh, not too far from Sacramento. the Bay Area. Not too far from the Bay Area that, where they clearly are going to have interest in the team leaving wow. them. Wow. That does add insult to injury. That's so funny. Because also you move to Sacramento, you move away from the Bay Area, which means it gets hot. It yep. gets very hot. Yeah. I it just... Again, everything... You've got to have a better plan than what the <laughs> Oakland Athletics. What are we When the doing? mayor's not even sure if you should come to the city. Look, Las Vegas, I promise, wants more franchises right, for right, sports. Right. Sports they are growing. They bring a lot of money. They just had the Super Bowl. I promise it's not a they we don't, don't want Major League Baseball. They want that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> that one that had the sewage coming out of the toilets they in their they want home venue. Franchise. Uh, and so they're going to play for three, and also not a year. For three years, they would play in Sacramento, 25 to 27. So, again, you're not staying in your home locale, but you're also close enough to where if you want protesters in the the building on a nightly basis, you can have that too. Um, I I would have thought you could have said Salt Lake City. That would have made a little more sense to me. It's at least an area that might be trying to show off. Hey, let's. This is why we should have, we baseball, should have baseball or something yeah. like that. Right. There should be no animosity towards the A's. They're not going somewhere for three years where people are going to care. That's that's. And look, there's not many places you could go that they would care. But at least go somewhere where they're not going to care for the negative reasons. Right. Uh, so the saga continues with Oakland and with the A's. And I just wanted to give two minutes on that because that's something I can imagine we're going to that's continue funny. to revisit. I want to know if they have they would have to bow down to the Fisher Cats uh, or the River Cats um, schedule. Like they would have to come there on the, the road <laughs> weekend. Double header days. You get the AAA <laughs> team out attending the Major League <laughs> team in the same day. That would be good Sheesh. stuff. That would be good stuff. We were out of time for hour number two. Again, coming up in hour number three, the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, as well as some more on Auburn and Kentucky. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday afternoon turning into evening. T.P. Hammock has run the board taking your phone calls. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Before we do anything else, though, we do want to get to the Sports Call 5 at 5. It is presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts. Are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group? If you're looking to sell your land to get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. We are going to shelve the... Uh, transfer portal discussion for another day because I think it's going to be a longer segment than what we need right here uh, because we do want to get to more Auburn basketball versus Kentucky and just SEC basketball as a whole. Uh, So we will do that next week where we rank the the top five portal editions. So what we will fit in here is the start of the NASCAR season coming up this weekend and Daytona 500. We were uh, very excited to have plenty of NASCAR guests on last year in the summer months of the show. Uh, So we will kind of give you a very brief preview right here with the five at five. And so with that, let's start off with five storylines from the NASCAR season as we head into 2024. Number one. Ryan Blaney, the returning NASCAR Cup Series champion. A lot of criticism of Ryan Blaney over the last uh, couple of years, not fulfilling potential and that sort of thing. He was able to win the championship last year there. Uh, and a big deal for Penske Racing. He beat out the likes of Kyle Larson and, and still Denny Hamlin, who's not won a championship. And so Ryan Blaney trying to become a consistent performer. There might be still the feeling that he is not uh, maybe still one of the elite drivers in the sport, but he does have that championship now. And so it'll be interesting to see how he follows, follows that performance up this year. Next up on the Sports Call 5 at 5. Number two. Another storyline we're watching this year is Denny Hamlin. Can he get that elusive first championship? Hamlin, uh, a three-time Daytona 500 winner. Uh, a, a driver with around 50 career wins, yet has still not won uh, the championship. And he is starting to approach the territory of best driver never to win an NASCAR Cup Series championship. Obviously, the clock's ticking on him. He owns tw- uh, part ownership of 2311, as well as continuing to run in the 11 for Joe Gibbs Racing. So we'll see what Denny Hamlin can do. And he is one of the title favorites coming into this year. 
Number three. Will Chase Elliott return to the win column? The former NASCAR Cup Series champion had a tumultuous 2023 season, breaking his leg very early on in the year in a snowboarding incident, also getting suspended once he did return to the track and missing, I believe, two races for that. Chase Elliott was not able to win. He did not qualify for the driver playoffs. He was in the owner's championship last year after uh, he had some guys fill in his car and get enough points in the meantime to be in the top 16 still, but NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, did not win last year. We'll see what kind of year he has in 2024. Number four. The changing of the guard continues in NASCAR. You might have heard if you watched the dual races last night on FS1. Kevin Harvick in the booth now, and thus uh, you have a completely different era of drivers there where uh, most of these guys are uh, still got a couple holdovers from the late 2000s, but really 2010s and later for the majority of these guys. Only Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin pretty much uh, and Martin Truex Jr. Are the, are the veteran groups of the guys. Uh, I guess Brad Keselowski throw in two. But most of these guys that are competing for the championship uh, are a newer wave. So does anyone start to dominate the newer wave, or can the old heads have uh, one more prevailing season here before uh, it really gets overrun by the Christopher Bells, Chase Elliott's, uh, William Byron's of the world. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, five NASCAR storylines to watch out for in 2024. Number five. Again, some new tracks and some new races on the schedule this year as NASCAR has amended its schedule uh, more than it used to. They, they certainly, the last couple of years, have been way more willing to look at some different outcomes. They changed Atlanta into... A, uh, a drafting track. They're going to go to Iowa for the first time uh, on the Cup Series side. They've been going to the Nationwide Series side. Uh, they will continue to try the Chicago Street Race as it's the second year of a street race in NASCAR. Uh, they changed their, their playoff uh, tracks, a couple of them, uh, and, and continue to make some subtle adjustments to the schedule and, and figure out uh, where the, the new car race the best at and uh, where the, the most entertaining tracks are. Uh, will be so that's the sports call five at five presented by southeastern land group five nascar storylines to keep in mind for the 2024 season i know another storyline that we had just last night was jimmy johnson did qualify for the daytona 500 barely i uh, got in front of jj yaley as they came back to the start finish line uh, and did qualify races way in uh, so johnson running a limited schedule there as he has a ownership stake in legacy motor club formerly petty enterprises um, and, and so you've got uh, you've got Jimmy getting back into it a little bit. Uh, you've got the, the continued battles with Joe Gibbs and and uh, Hendrick Motorsports, usually towards the top of the sport. Stuart Haas has been struggling behind. That was an organization with Kevin Harvick that had been pretty premier. Um, so you got a lot of stuff there, Brooks, and uh, I'm certainly very excited to get the engines refire. We talk all the time about the fact that it was the first sport back. Uh, from COVID back in 2020, and uh, again, I'm I'm certainly excited to see how everything plays out this year. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's it's going to be a super fun, exciting. Uh, I really like the, and I've always been a proponent of this. Uh, I really like the changing of the schedule a little bit, where you you start to you know when especially when you get toward those playoffs, you emphasize different types of racing at different points, so it's not you know you can't fully you know plan every single year oh this is going to be the same because every other sport's not the same it's like you're not going to play the exact same teams the exact same dates every single year or thereabouts around
around it, uh, you're going to have different challenges. You're going to have different uh, different outcomes in different types of year. I, I really so I really like the the changing of the schedule a little bit, where you're you you know, you can't you get into a rhythm, but you get a t- thrown a little bit of a curveball here, a little bit of a curveball there. I think it's going to be super, super fun. Um, yeah, it, it's going to. It, I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, who who can uh, get out to a fast start this year. You know, like you mentioned, we had Denny Hamlin win a win in the the Clash uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, you've got Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell took the two duels last night. Um, and so you've got Joey Logano sitting on the pole for, for the, the Daytona 500. Um, it's it's going to be really, really fun to, to get this season started. It's And it's always fun. NASCAR is always fun because, and we, we've talked about this on here before, is everybody leads up to their cha- the championship, the biggest game of the year is the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA Finals, all these other leagues. NASCAR, you still lead up to a championship at the end of the year, but the biggest race of the year is your very first one. You kick things off with your biggest event of the year, uh, and it's it's just it's so awesome. It's it's a great venue. Daytona is a is a a classic track. Uh, you know, uh, everybody when you say Daytona, everybody thinks racing off the top of their head. You don't think about much of anything else uh, for for that. And it's it's really awesome. It's it's going to be a fun fun season uh to to get out and uh to to see this uh that how this unfolds can't wait to get back into the swing of things where we can uh get some nascar guests on coming up here as we get into the season a little bit and um yeah i, I can't wait tonight i think the trucks go tonight yep. uh for uh, down to get the season started and so that's going to be super fun to to check them out too and uh i tell you what too uh, you know we're really excited about our buddy brett holmes uh, in the 32 truck for the truck series. He graduated from Auburn University. We've had him on the show before, uh, so we're excited for him to get his season underway. He is a, a single-car team. He owns his own team. It's very difficult in the um, in the under-series of the sport to operate your own team like that. So really hoping for a good year out of Brett Holmes, really hoping for – uh, his uh, his continued sponsorship and continued growth in the NASCAR Truck Series. So NASCAR season getting underway this weekend. Very excited about watching the Daytona 500. I know I'll be locked in on Sunday. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, back to Auburn and back to Kentucky as the Tigers and Wildcats face off for the College Game Day Game of the Week this weekend. We'll get back into more preview of that and then also look at the rest of SEC basketball coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Friday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. We'll get into action from around the SEC in just a minute, but we go back to Auburn and Kentucky as we get set for the number 13th ranked Auburn Tigers, 22nd ranked Kentucky Wildcats again, college game day. I believe what the fourth time that Auburn has hosted college game day now. I think that's um, what it's up to. Yeah. And um, again, another exciting opportunity for Auburn to be able to showcase what's been going on at Neville Arena this year, what this team is about. Uh, continually fighting not only for the SEC regular season title, but also uh, for that all-important seating in the NCAA and SEC tournament. Again, most sites are going to show you that Auburn would be a three-seed right now, uh, which, again, that would be technically a little above the AP poll. If you, they were truly 13th, they would be the number one four-seed there. But uh, three seeds are, are in play for Auburn. Some sites will have them as a four. So, again, three, four, depending on where you look. And, again, for this game, I, let's talk about – Auburn's individuals here. Jalen Williams, Janai Broom had obviously a huge game on Wednesday against South Carolina. Are they the two keys again for you in this game, or are you going more towards the guard persuasion? Uh, you see, that I think the easy answer is to just say it's Jalen and Janai this year because if you look back, and you know we I, we have the box scores, uh, I print out the box scores for us in studio after every single game. It feels like every single game you look at. Uh, those two are the guys leading the way in the scoring department. Those two are the guys uh, at the very top, um, J- uh, Janai and Jalen. So I think that's the easy answer. I think that's the, you know, hey, those two guys have to continue to be, you know, have that uh, lead the way there. Um, you know, and I, th- I think I'm going to take the easy answer too. I, th- I think I th- uh, those two are the, the guys that I think need to have a big game. They need to continue to lead the way because that's been the winning formula so far. Auburn has won a lot of basketball games this year with those two guys leading the way. Um, I'll also reiterate, though, and it's what I said uh, Wednesday going into that South Carolina game, didn't really happen, but I – you really just want I you know I I continue to say it I think I say it almost every time we're going into a game I want Aiden Holloway to have a shot go down I need it it just feels like if he can get and it was the other night um, at the South Carolina game he got a three up missed it ball bounced back to him but a foul was called and he caught it put it back up it went through and it's yeah, like I saw that it's I, like, oh, I'm like if if that, that foul wasn't called that could have been the shot if he had hit, if it was an actual gameplay if he had hit that that could have maybe have been the shot that broke him out of the funk a little bit and got him more confident I think that's what he needs uh, is Aiden Holloway he needs a little more he needs to see a shot go down he needs to see uh, a couple shots go down to get that confidence back up so I think ultimately this game is going to rest on the shoulders of uh, Janai Broom, uh, especially Janai Broom, but um, Jalen Williams as well, having big games like they have all season long. But, man, would I love to see Aiden Holloway have a, have a couple big shots to get that confidence back up. Yeah, so I agree. I, I do think – I just think overall the matchup favors both Janai and, and Jalen, honestly, and that's why you probably should still be able to run your offense through them pretty efficiently and pretty well. 
I think just when looking at the guards, you want to – I think I just want to look at them, not even on the offensive side, just on the defensive side. Can they stay in front of these really talented Kentucky guards, Rob Dillingham, really dude shifty like crazy, man, uh, like <laughs> like every other Kentucky guard that's been through, right? So uh, he, he's very, very good, very talented player, can shoot well, can, can just move very well. Same with DJ Wagner, uh, just able to really uh, move well with the ball, very gifted score. Uh, so you want to be I, – I just want to see if the, if the guards will be able to stay in front of these really, really talented Kentucky, uh, Kentucky guys. So that's really what I'm looking for. I just think you just still run your offense through Janai and Jalen. I just think those are your two best options. I still – every – I will reiterate this time and time again – get Jalen going first. He's the one that has to get going first because I say it, Janai can really just kind of get his turn it on whenever. However, he doesn't really get too, too uncomfortable. He'll keep, he'll keep doing his thing. If he's missing, he's missing. But in terms of just how he needs to get going, he, he can kind of pick and choose his spots. Jalen needs to get into that middle paint area and put up like two little push shots, see him go through and then everything else just falls into place for him. That's just really how it is. Honestly, just for how much I've watched him, and especially this season, because even in the South Carolina game, he got going early. He was able to get to his push shot, get him to his spot, have him do that little turnaround push shot, do that once, twice. Then it really helps him everywhere with the three ball, with with everything, because he's seen the ball go through, and he's so much more comfortable. So that's what I would say for for Auburn. Just get Jalen going first if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of run it through your big kind of start feeding Jalen and then Janai will kind of again get his just however he does uh in the paint and then uh you know that'll probably honestly bring the defense in and then you, you'll be able to shoot the threes a little bit more different things like that and, and play to your uh play to your three ball a little bit but that's what I would I prefer to see the defense from the guards is something that I really want to be able to pay attention to as well as the offense running through Janai and Jalen still yeah you hit on it there for me, it's it, the individuals. It's about Trey Donaldson. It's about Denver Jones. It's about Katie Johnson. And it's about their two-way impact in yeah. this game. Um, because I, I think that what will go undervalued about Trey Donaldson is that he provides just as much ball pressure as anyone on this team. He does. And because he is a little bit bigger and more physical than the standard point guard Auburn's been used to, he holds his own much better, and you don't move him as a guard off the ball very easily. So um, that is the kind of key I'm looking out for against a team that shoots a lot of threes and makes a lot of threes because if you're not confident in your ability to defend on the ball – you're more apt to give a step of space uh, to, to these, these shooters and these players. And so when you are more confident in being able to stay up and not just get blown by, uh, that gives you the ability to defend the three better because you're up in their airspace. They would have to be shooting a contested three automatically. And maybe they'll make a few of those, but it's going to be hard to do that all game. And so that's why I think Auburn does have a pretty decent chance to run Kentucky off the three-point line. Now, that being said, if Kentucky will commit to good and thoughtful ball movement, they penetrate and kick, penetrate and kick, kick again, extra pass, they will still have the opportunity to to take and make a lot of threes tomorrow. And, and that's really their pathway. Um, if they do not shoot the three well tomorrow, I do think Auburn could end up blowing them out uh, because – 
I, I don't see Kentucky being able to produce 60 to 70 points that are not three-point related. So they're, they're going to have to be able to be involved from three. So teams like that, again, it's just a double-edged sword. It, it's something that I'll talk about once we get to March when Auburn is hopefully a, a two or three seed or something like that. When you're playing your weaker opponent, I don't want to play a team that, that jacks up a lot of threes because that's more of a wild card type of team, in my opinion. If you got this big bruiser guy that's used to scoring 20 a game in the Summit League or something, with all due respect, you know, you're going to like your bigs against him and, and you're going to say that they're going to need a whole lot more than that to, to beat you. Uh, but but when you have a team in March that has a great guard or, or has a lot of three-point shooting, if they get hot – I mean, good luck. I mean, then it's anyone's game at that point. So that's, I guess, why the fear, or at least the respect, is there on my point of view. And so, for Auburn's inter, uh, for their for their guards to be able to impact this game, they need that just as much on the defensive end as they do the offensive end. And so, we know Katie Johnson always provides great energy when he is in the game. We know Denver Jones has been relied upon. Uh, the defensive player. And then, again, I think that's one of the other benefits on top of, yeah, Aiden Hallway's just been struggling to shoot the ball and this, that, and the other thing. Trey Donaldson is a better defender than him as well. And so uh, when you are playing guards that, like Rob Dillingham, as Cam mentioned, like uh, Antonio Reeves and, and Reed Shepard and all these guys that are one or two guards, you know, you're going to have to have all these guys for Auburn impact the game defensively, and they're all going to be tasked with an important summit because those are the three guys that shoot 40% or better from three uh, right there, and they're the three leading scorers. So they're going to have the ball in their hands because they're guards. They're going to have the ball in their hands because they can shoot that thing, and they can, they're going to have the ball in their hands because uh, they initiate their offense. So uh, the, that defensive impact for Auburn is going to be very important, in, in my opinion. Now, look, obviously, Broom and Williams are always going to have to try to take advantage of matchups. They're always going to need to be be a part of the balance uh, of this. And even uh, you know, even so, I, I talked about the defensive impact. Obviously, we know that Auburn really defends the rim very well. I know Steve was giving us the stat about Auburn not necessarily this is one of their better block teams, but this is one of their better teams in terms of just defending rim percentage. I think I saw somewhere where uh, opponents were still in the low 40s percentage-wise uh, at rim attempts, which, again, is, is a kind of a weird one. But when you're only <laughs> shooting 40-something percent at the rim – well, where the heck are you supposed to make a bunch of shots? So, And that's because Auburn does a pretty good job of defending down there without fouling, even if it's not a block shot. So, uh, you know, I, I think that everyone has a hand in that, and that's why they've been uh, a very good defensive team this year, way better than what was anticipated. But uh, I, I think that uh, I think in a game like this, you've really got to maximize your, your defense because I do think that Kentucky – it's one of those things they're going to give you sh opportunities to make shots. Like it's not necessarily going to be on one guy for Auburn, but there everyone is going to have a shot to hit a shot. Everyone's going to have the ability to get three or four good looks off tomorrow. So I, it's harder for me to pinpoint one offensive guy because I think everyone's going to going to have a crack or two at it. Um, again, I asked the question at the end of the first, or at, yeah, at the end of the first hour of the show. If you'd rather have the Kentucky game and lose to Tennessee, or you'd rather uh, lose to Kentucky but win at Tennessee. Let's look at this in terms of the SEC as a whole. So let's look at this weekend's games, and again, let's kind of project out a little bit 
these standings for the next few weeks. So everyone has played either 11 or 12 SEC games. If you've played 12, you are two-thirds of the way through uh, the 18-game schedule. You played 11, you got seven more uh, to this point. Auburn, obviously, right now is uh, one of the teams with six more. Uh, hosting Kentucky at Georgia, at Tennessee, then hosting Mississippi State at Missouri and hosting Georgia. So two more with Georgia in that. Um, when you look at the SEC slate this week, and Alabama had the midweek off, they host Texas A&M. A&M thought they had the midweek off, uh, and well, they lost at Vanderbilt. Uh, you have Florida going to Georgia. Georgia, if they want any chance of the NCAA tournament, they've got to stop the bleeding. They've been struggling as of late. Florida with two home wins in a row there. Mississippi State playing host to Arkansas. That would be a bad loss if Mississippi State lost on their home floor. Uh, number 11, South Carolina, needs to uh, just flush the midweek. They host LSU. I would favor South Carolina that one. Tennessee hosts Vanderbilt. Again, that should not be much of a game. And then Ole Miss hosting Missouri, and quite frankly, that should not be much of a game. So really, guys, games that really the, – the better teams at home, they're better by a good bit. Um even if you wanted to say that about Bama and A&M, you could, although it's not as expansive as a Tennessee to Vandy or something like that, a South Carolina LSU. But really there's some mismatches in the league this weekend, and I'd be a little surprised if we saw anything too crazy. I think the status quo, I think the top teams in this league, that obviously Auburn, Kentucky was standing because someone's got to lose there. I think the top teams in this league are probably going to have a pretty good weekend. Yeah, I think so as well. Just it, it, it's really been separated. There's really been you know clear top and bottom. Uh, I I mean I think the most interesting matchup uh, is probably going to be that Alabama Texas A and M game uh, outside of the Auburn Kentucky game, of course. And then uh, yeah, like that that Florida Georgia game. Florida Georgia's got to get right if they want to continue to make the tournament. I agree with you there. Um, but yeah, everything else is pretty standard chalk that you should you would understand that yeah this should you know the better team should probably win here shouldn't be anything too crazy um and and yeah i mean i think i think it's pretty chalk the alabama texas a&m game though i think will be will be interesting for sure so you look at the standings again to remind everyone top of the league by themselves right now is alabama at nine and two auburn and south carolina have them tied in the win column but they played one more game so they have one more loss so Bama nine and two, Auburn and South Carolina nine and three, Tennessee has not played one more uh, one the twelfth game yet, so they are eight and three in the league. So three three loss teams, Auburn, South Carolina, Tennessee, and then the four loss teams I will still include Florida and Kentucky. They are both seven and four in league play. I will include four loss teams because I think fourteen and four or better will win the SEC. Um, their next loss I think will disqualify both of them from being able to win the regular season title. Yeah. I, I personally don't see. Uh, the combination of Auburn, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama all dropping below four losses. So uh, if Auburn is able to beat Kentucky, I do think that's it for Kentucky for the regular season chase. If Florida does have a mishap on the road at Georgia, I think that's it for them. Point was standing, I'm not really expecting them to win out anyway and win these last seven, uh, but uh, they are still in it for now just based off the the loss column. I think, Brooks, you went over the schedules a little bit for some of these teams when you were making your point about which you prefer between the Tennessee and Kentucky game for Auburn. And, you know, again, the truth is Auburn has only got one more that they can lose, and even still it could be the wrong one if it is to something like Tennessee. Uh, 
Tennessee, while, again, I think it's tough to win seven in a row in college basketball, you look at it, and they've got Vandy next, and then they've got Missouri. I'm going to go ahead and give them both, break that news. Uh, then they host A&M. I like them at home. Then it's the Auburn game. So after that, you're what you're really counting on at that point is at Alabama, at South Carolina, host Kentucky, which, to be fair, like that's an incredibly tough, tough stretch. Uh, they've already lost to South Carolina. They did thump Alabama, but they're going to Alabama. And then they do play Kentucky, where even though it's in Tennessee, I still expect Kentucky to give them a game. So Tennessee will be fine in February. I don't think they'll. I think the only losable game for them the rest less, rest of February is the Auburn game. But then March will be very difficult for them. If Auburn were to lose that game and they have four, I think Auburn's March is great. But then you get into you got to have Tennessee lose one of those. If you lost twice, great, but you do have splits of the SEC title um, and the way they do it. They, I, I, Unless they have amended it, to my knowledge, even if there is a tiebreaker, um, it's not treated like it is in other sports. You would right. both call them co-champions, yes. uh, and then Tennessee would get the higher seed in the SEC tournament for having a tiebreak in that respect, but they, they recognize both. So they're – there's the out there. Uh, but also, you've got loss in this, too. You can't have Tennessee lose that Bama game if that's the one that you want them to lose. And you say, you got to have one. Give me one. Because Alabama's going to have to lose two yeah. at some point. Right. And now, their schedule's pretty difficult down the stretch here. The, the only give me game, in my opinion, is the Arkansas game. That's the very last one. Uh, they do host two teams where if they were on the road against them, I would be more intrigued by they host A&M this weekend. They host Florida. Um, but, you know, again, I think at home they're probably going to be fine. But then it's the at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, host Tennessee, at Florida stretch, where it's like, okay, Tennessee and Ole Miss, or excuse me, uh, Florida and Ole Miss at home, I think maybe it'll be fine. And they'll play Florida at home too. Right. But on the road, that's tester. The, we'll see how they come out through that. Now, they do get to host Tennessee, but it is a team that beat them by 20. So, obviously, you respect that intense challenge. That should be a close game. And then you go to Kentucky where, again, maybe maybe they just are fading. Maybe Kentucky's not <laughs> truly a top 25 team. They're, They're losing their magic. Yeah, yeah may, maybe so. But it is at Rupp, and for now, you're still going to respect that challenge. So, there's losable stuff in that, but yeah. it is marrying yourself to the knowledge that they're going to have to lose two, and if you need Tennessee to lose one, maybe you don't want them to lose the Tennessee game. I don't know. It gets confusing. It Everyone get out confusing. there is probably saying, I'm confused now. Thanks for that. <laughs> if Auburn wins all the rest of their games, that's great news because then they're probably going to at least split for the SEC title right. and maybe you outright win it. But the fact is they – that at Tennessee games will be really tough. The fact is you really can't afford a home loss, even to a pretty decent Kentucky team. The race is on. The race is on right now at this point. You are right. Yep. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> covered it all? No? Yeah, you pretty much covered it all, Ryan. I, I, I mean, I are you confident to... that, that Alabama would lose two more games? Or... I, I... <sighs> The, again, no. I think that Texas A&M game is interesting because they 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 are pretty hard nosed, tough defensive team. Uh, I know it is in Coleman, so you're right, Ryan. That, that Alabama will probably be okay. For but, re- reference, they are favored by nine and a half, right, which right. Is the same line as Auburn against Kentucky. Right. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting. But it, you know, if 
and especially in Coleman, Alabama hits their threes especially well. It, it, they just do at home, and obviously that's that's pretty much every home team, honestly. But it, it's for Alabama, it's a, it's pretty extra. Um, and and then that that Florida game should be interesting. I could see them losing too. I, I really could. Uh, that and, and Tennessee. They're gonna they're gonna come out with that Tennessee game. They're gonna come out pretty intense. Alabama is uh, because obviously of how they lost at Tennessee. So I think they're gonna really want to be pining for a win there. So Tennessee will have to be pretty prepared uh, for for that in Coleman. Uh, but it'll be interesting. It, it will be interesting to see if they'll be able to lose those those two games for uh, Auburn to be able to have a share or whoever else to be able to have a share. Um, but yeah. It, I, it's a tough schedule for them down the stretch. It absolutely is. That game in Gainesville obviously is another one they they're gonna have to be ready for. Uh, the results of of their game uh, against Florida when Florida does come to Coleman, I think that will pay, play a part. Uh, I would I would expect Alabama to win uh, in Coleman, but in in Gainesville, I think that would surely be uh, a more intense, closer game. So. Tough down the stretch, I agree with you. I could see them losing too. I could also see them potentially winning out if they can keep on a, on a solid scoring run the way that they've been. Uh, but we'll see because, I mean, they, they can get into some crazy three-point shooting droughts. Uh, but other than that, uh, I, I could see it. It'll be, it'll be interesting down the stretch. I don't know. I'm looking at their schedule. I don't know if there's there's two losses right here because the, the, the two teams that they've lost to in conference play, Tennessee and Auburn. Yep. Both were road games. Yep. You do have to play Tennessee one more time, but yep. you get them at home. Kentucky, I would feel more confident if Tennessee had not gone to Rupp right. Arena and hung better. over 100 on the Kentucky yeah, Wildcats yeah, at home. Yeah, yeah. I would feel more confident in Kentucky there. The Florida game, I think, is is a is a possibility, but it may just be that I'm you know you're you're thinking about Auburn's performance there last weekend, and I, I you know it's it was just it, I don't know if Florida's a team that can can outshoot Alabama. Um, the Ole Miss game is a road game, but they're a bubble team right now. They're all, the last four in uh, is the newest bracketology, so they they they'd be playing in that first four. I, I don't know if. There's, I don't know if there's two more losses on here. Maybe one more. Maybe you know one of those road games it, they drop. I don't know if they drop a home game going the right. rest of the way. Well, see again, and that's why I say it's college basketball. I do think they'll lose one more. If you you made me pick it, it would be difficult for me. But but maybe I would say, uh, you know, it's like a weird one at Florida or something because they're another really good offensive team. Or or maybe it is that Kentucky game. Or or maybe even Tennessee. Like again, there's options for you, but. Their only two losses are two legitimately really good basketball teams on the road. So that's they have not bowed to any of the lesser road teams so far. Um, South Carolina is another team in here. I think that they are probably still. I mean, just maybe it's just the psychological effect of losing by forty with me. Um, but I, I still don't think that they're probably uh, gonna gonna hang on to this thing. They do have LSU this week. They'll win that on the weekend, but then they're at Ole Miss, at A&M, uh, host Florida, host Tennessee, at State. 
Uh, and again, that magic number, I think you can't lose more than four. And I kind of think they're going to lose at least two of those. I think they're probably going to lose. I think Tennessee is going to get revenge on them. That might be a little bit of a warm take. I know South Carolina went to Tennessee and won, but I think Tennessee is going to get them the second time around. And then I can see South Carolina losing the like at A&M or, or, or something like that. So um, I, I think South Carolina is not going to just completely fall off the face of the earth. I think they're going to finish again about 13 and five in league play, which is insane compared to what they were expected to do. Uh, but I do see two more losses for them. So interesting stuff. The SEC race, very important. And uh, certainly Auburn needing to continue to win all these home games to give themselves a realistic chance at the SEC regular season title. We're going to take one final break in this Friday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, uh, what to watch for over the weekend and the nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Final six or seven minutes of this Friday edition of Sports Call. And we've done a pretty good job today of kind of previewing everything that's coming up this weekend, but we do also have the special segment each and every Friday where we can kind of, again, condense it all and tell you what's on the docket for this weekend. So let's get to it right here. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. So we've been talking Auburn and Kentucky. Of course, college game day coming to the Plains. Uh, going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, I will get the opportunity to cover it for our station and uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, I hope that my ears are ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. That's what I'm uh, hopefully looking forward to and that's not something you're supposed to look forward to yeah in general in life in general in life it would be bad if tonight my ears were ringing and ringing but uh, i hope that is the case i and if auburn does anything positive i'm sure that will be the case uh tomorrow as the tigers welcome in kentucky auburn uh, has won the last three here after losing in 2019 in a high scoring affair auburn trying to continue that win streak and stay right in the thick of it they are in the SEC regular season race. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. We talked a little bit about this earlier as well. Auburn baseball getting set for a three-game set with Eastern Kentucky to uh, get going with the 2024 baseball season. Uh, Brooks has actually, for like a whole couple segments now, not been watching live baseball. It's been rather surprising, actually. He's trying to get... Now he's just trying to pull some other things up right now. Trying to do live play-by-play on, yeah. on uh, 
Brooks' laptop happenings. But uh, really excited for baseball season. And uh, it's it's a long trek, though. you got mm. 50 to 60 of these bad boys, and Auburn will, will get to it this weekend. Gosh, it's going to be so fun. I've, I've, I've been seeing the pictures all over Twitter of everybody, uh, all the media folks out at the ballpark tonight, some other Auburn fans out at the ballpark tonight. It's it's a beautiful night. Not not going to be too cold this evening for, for the game. Is That's always the worry is when you get February baseball and then early March baseball, well, how cold it's going to be. Shouldn't be too cold tonight. Um You've got Chase Alsup going tonight, Joseph Gonzalez pitching for the Tigers on Saturday, and then uh, Carson Myers getting the start on the Sunday, draws the, the straw on Sunday. Um, you mentioned the, the lineup, the, the four guys that Auburn returns to the lineup this year, um, batting right in the middle of your lineup tonight. Ike Irish doing catching tonight. And then I didn't know this until I read the game notes yesterday. This is going to be the 75th season of Auburn baseball at Plainson Park. Oh, I didn't know that either. Wow, a special anniversary year then. something new every day. And it's the first time Auburn's ever played Eastern Kentucky in baseball. Okay, well, that that there you go. All right. Uh, so, good stuff right there. Auburn baseball does get going this weekend. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. I uh, got NBA All-Star Weekend coming up this weekend. Rising Stars game tonight. You got the three-point shootout. Yeah, the skills challenge, slam dunk challenge. Cam, you more of a slam dunk guy or a three point guy? <laughs> three point guy. Yeah, three point I guy. Agree. I agree. It just, just as you said a little bit in the open, uh, it's harder to come up with new stuff. We've so, been doing this for forty years now. Uh, you don't have some of the game's greats like Jalen Brown is legitimately one of the bigger names that's done this in right, six or seven while, years, yeah. and like. He's a good name, but it's not like that's an elite name. And so, LeBron, why won't you do it? Why didn't you do it when you were younger? <laughs> right. I just wanted to see it one time, just once. Yeah. And he just wouldn't. He wouldn't. Do Kobe it. did it. Yeah. Oh, well, MJ did Mamba it. Mamba mentality. Yeah. Mac McClung. Yes, Mac McClung. Mac McClung. Oh, did you in look thing? up the reigning? Yeah. He's the reigning slam dunk champ. And Mac that tells McClung. You all you, I mean, look, he's got bunnies. He yeah, does. He's got sure. hops. But that yeah. tells you all you need to know. Pretty much about why this has been going downhill. Pretty much. I mean, in a nutshell, with all due respect to him, it's great, awesome. He can jump way higher than I can. Yeah, but uh, was he? he Mac McClung was on Shacked and a Fool last night. <laughs> oh no, oh, was rip. he? Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yikes. And so was uh, no, it was Obi Toppin. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, no, Jacob Toppin. No, yeah. it was Obi Toppin that got Shacked and a Fool last night. Yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> it, it really has kind of gone downhill a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and I and I didn't hate the dunks that Mac did even last year. It's just again. Really, it has not been a good slam dunk contest since 2016. There has not been a quality dunk contest since 2016. That was the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon one. That was one that went into like what four, uh-huh. oh, oh, four, three or four like dunk overtimes because they they all they both every dunk was like a 50, which I mean it was awesome. Uh, and and I still think Aaron Gordon got robbed. But, again, is you haven't had a quality one since then. Aaron Gordon was like, I'm not doing it again. He's, yeah. like, I just, he's like, I felt like I should have won, so I, I'm not going to do it again. So that's one dunker that you, you lost. And it's just not – it's just hard to be creative and, and continue to do stuff like that. You have some of these professional dunkers that kind of do cool stuff as well every once in a while. They had that one year where they brought in, like, uh, Jordan Kilgannon uh, – to to do some really crazy dunks and he did he did some really really cool dunks but then it's like he's a professional dunker some of these nba players although they can get up there 
the that dude has some some crazy hops so you know and they're not trying to hurt themselves of course obviously so it's just it's just not the same and then one more before we get to our nightly tv guide Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. Uh, Again, you've got the Daytona 500, the Great American Race this weekend on Fox as we get going for another season of NASCAR. And just, I I have one plea. Don't rain every damn weekend. Please, just do not, do not have to. I, I know that's not in any of my control. I do tell the weather, uh, <laughs> but it ain't up to me. And just, I, there's a chance of rain in Daytona this weekend, and let's just not start this. It already poured at the L.A. Coliseum to, to the fact that they had to move it the day before because they knew Sunday was going to be torrential rains. So let's just not do this again. So I uh, just want a drier season, one entertaining season, and hope 500 is a lot of fun. Real quickly, the Sports Call Nightly TV Guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. We have just a minute left, Brooks. Real quickly, what we got? I'm still upset that I would walk into Mac McClung's home and see the the slam dunk trophy on his mantle. Um, movie pick for you this evening: just one six o'clock on FX. It's the classic film, The Help. Uh, great movie. If you've never seen it, I, I highly recommend going and watching it. Yeah. Uh, college basketball action for you tonight: six o'clock ESPN two. You've got VCU taking on St. Louis. Also six o'clock ESPNU. Man- Manhattan visits Iona later on tonight. Eight o'clock ESPN two. Ohio visits Toledo. Uh, Follow that up at nine o'clock your nightcap for college basketball on fs1 is new mexico visiting san diego state uh we mentioned the nba all-star festivities getting underway tonight six o'clock on espn the nba all-star celebrity game and then at eight o'clock it is the rising stars game on tnt nascar gets underway tonight 6 30 fs1 truck series the fresh from florida 250 uh getting underway eight o'clock on espn tonight some top ranked boxing as foster faces nova and then also espn two tonight uh or espn u tonight at 8 o'clock. Some college softball from Clearwater, Florida. Stanford takes on Texas. And that is your TV Guide brought to my friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks Childers. And I hope you enjoy the first weekend of college baseball. And we will talk to you again next week. You know I will. And Cam Berry, thank you for being here today. I hope you have a good time uh, filming tomorrow at the Auburn-Kentucky game. And we'll see you again next week as well. See you next week. And again, as always, we want to appreciate all those that tuned in and called in today and throughout the week. For TP Hammock running the board and for Cam Berry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.